All right, here we go. Episode 118 of High Drop, this time with Robbie Corbett. And he is the co-owner of the World Freerunning and Parkour Federation, WFPF, or WoofPuff, the creator of the parkour certification that they offer. And he's the competition director at the International Parkour Federation, which also translates into USA Parkour Cup competition director and world parkour championship cup director and he's a certified stuntman so please visit the description so you can kind of get a lay of the land he does a lot of work in the world of competition and parkour competition and it's plenty to look at in the description so please check it out and then uh he's had a crazy epic journey through parkour as you might imagine to get where he is he is at so we talked about his backstory a little bit this is the first time we got to connect and so that was important and fun and then we went into some parkour definition stuff but the big thing obviously with the work that he does is just talking about parkour competition and so we really hashed that out we touched on the ufc at times skateboarding and the whole dana white situation was a fun little bit but also you know and importantly the biggest thing is the whole olympic parkour situation how that's unfolding in his perspective as the technical director of ipf and what's been happening there with Parkour Earth, Fig, and everything else um, related to that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Definitely a really big one. Loved it. Thank you, Robbie, for being on the program. And thank you all for listening. I think I pretty much covered it. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Robbie Corbett. So let me just officially welcome you to the program. Thank you for Thank you having me. Thanks for, uh, you know, taking the time out and doing this. Um, just off the bat, you know, we are meeting kind of for the first time and, and, you know, we're having a nice little chat here, but I want to make sure. And also for my own benefit here, I get to know you a little bit better. Um, and if you can just lay it out, you know, who, who is Robbie Corbett and like, how did you become, I know that's a big ass question, but I don't want to box it inside the world of park. No, you're fine. Me. You're fine. I know that like you have, you know, some really, you know, you do a lot, you know, you're the co-owner of the WFPF creator of the certification there. You doing the competition direction through the, uh, excuse me if I'm off base on any of this, but the, the world parkour championships and the IPF, if I'm not mistaken, no, you, you help direct no. those things. And then, um, and then you're also a certified stuntman. So, <clears throat> it'd be great to just kind of get your whole life story in a nutshell, whatever you feel is relevant, you know, obviously you're yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. cover everything. No, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm Robbie Corbett, uh, 36 years old. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get where to start. Uh, just was always into extreme sports over team sports growing up. Uh, skateboarding was probably my first passion sport. And that was, um, to give an idea of how long that was, that was before Tony Hawk pro skater. So quite a while back. Um, <laughs> and excuse and, me for interrupting. I might do it. Where did you, where did you grow up? Like, where were you from and originally? Oh yeah. Um, I grew up in a small town called Sebastian, Florida to give you an idea of that still doesn't have a Starbucks within the within 30 mile radius of it Damn, it no day. 30 mile radius starbucks that is off the grid no, it's painful when i go back and visit because i'm the kind of i i drink yet uh a starbucks a day um that's one of the few things that has a monopoly on me for sure um so yeah so we uh i had two older brothers um 
we're always just uh, into extreme stuff, going playing in the woods and things like that. We had like swamp within 10 miles, river within two miles, and ocean within uh, three miles. So um, that gives you an idea, I guess, of like all the kind of landscape and uh, ways we did. So just anything kind of extreme, climbing, going through woods, um, whatever. And um, yeah, then skateboarding came about, which was first like a means of like transportation slash we would skateboard. Um, and then through doing the skateboarding, um, uh, I just got more uh, athletic and was, you know, uh, falling, but being, you know, never breaking a bone or getting seriously hurt. So I thought I was pretty good at it, but I wouldn't push it as hard as some people. Uh, we actually fought to get the first skate park funded in our hometown. We went to... Um, the city council and did like a voting thing and got a skate park actually built. Um, it took like six years after it was voted in. So I wasn't wow. a super skater. I just, I started skating again because of it when it finally mm -hmm. was built and stuff um, for that. And then um, there was a playground near me called the creative playground, which is this very all wood, very cool over sand, like with tires and all kinds of stuff playground. So I'd be, I don't know, that place just always came into my world, either just hanging out, skateboarding around it or eventually um i met uh, a friend named kane sinclair who um later when i moved to la was in la and um other things but we we'd be playing tag and it'd always be like me and him not getting tagged in this park and then it turned into um he could do some flips and then he showed me how to do some some flips and eventually kind of turned into one day you know when he moved out to la to you know, do stunts in parkour. Uh, I moved out here and did the same. He eventually got on the team uh, Tempest. I went a different way with WFPF. Um, but yeah, what it was like, saw the show Jackass and was like, I could do that, but I could land on my feet. And then <laughs> it was um, turned into what I was the first and only male cheerleader in my high school because um, I did wrestling the first three years, but I was tired of weight cutting and doing all that uh, stuff and um, decided to join cheer because we would clean the wrestling mats and leave. And when we did that, the cheerleaders would show up. So I had a good uh, friendship with a bunch of them and I could, I had a trampoline in my backyard and taught myself how to flip. Um, so they would just kind of give me the, the cheer uh, direction of just, you know, huck and tuck. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, just spot the wall and go as high as you can and just tuck at the top. And, you know, the kind of training that I would never teach somebody, but I, you know, uh, it worked for me at first. So, um, also, what from wrestling, I was very confident. I was used to getting slammed under some other man's will and, you know, uh, power and being mm -hmm. able to like roll and not get hurt with it. So then it was like, I think if I flip and I fail, I'll just, I'll just go to this or I'll do that or I'll do that. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was a unique way to learn. So when eventually, what, uh, I saw a trailer for a movie called District B13 on TV at like midnight. And I went to the one movie theater that was in the nearby town and they weren't showing it. And they looked it up in like a book that they had that said, Hey, this is uh, playing in Miami, Florida. So, you know, uh, which is like three and a half hours away from me. So I said, okay. So I, I got a friend who went and saw that movie, like just drove down there that day. And uh, I didn't even know it started playing. And it was, I'm like, Oh, I guess it's in French. Like, but uh, <laughs> by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, David Bell, Sebastian Foucault, what is this? And I went home and went on the computer and found out what a uh, parkour was. That's when I stumbled upon the like Sebastian Foucault's, um, what is free running compared to parkour? What is this to that? Um, I'd heard of three run before that, but I didn't quite know what, it, I didn't really quite know what it was or, you know, it didn't, it didn't have that philosophy or anything like that or words uh, to express what it was. It was just what I was always doing, 
big flips and stuff outside and just kind of, um, yeah, uh, just, I guess doing what, you know, they call parkour now. So when I found out what it was, I said that, you know, that's so cool. That's what I do. I'm actually an athlete, I guess. This is something sweet. And um, what that eventually led to me moving out to uh, Los Angeles to try to do it after the James Bond movie, um, Christina Royale. Because I was like, okay, this is definitely happening in movies. Mm-hmm. I grew up loving cinema. Um, Florida's got nothing going on. You know, I you know drove across the country and um, I've been here for since 2008. Wow, epic! Yeah, that's uh, that's a wild story. I know that cheer. I don't know if it's cheer like big in Florida. It, it is. I'd say, yeah, what, uh, Florida, North Carolina or South Carolina, I forget which one exactly. And, you know, not to be rude. And then, um, Texas, Texas, it's huge. Okay. I mean, for me, it was a, I would have rather probably grown up doing gymnastics, but there's nowhere to do it. And, uh, to me, the cheer is a bit more fun. It's like, Oh, that's how you do it. That's cool. Not. Yeah. This is how people did it in the seventies. Well, I've noticed there's, there's been a little bit of like, uh, it just, I just realized a pattern. Like, I was like, damn, this comes up a lot. People that I know that came out into parkour from Florida, there's a lot of them that are are hovering around that cheer community before they entered into parkour or were in cheer or still are or whatever. So I was just like, Oh, I don't really know that much about it, but it must be big down there. Well, the big reason, um, the big reason that it's like, uh, for, for me knowing like the, the obvious reason is, if you are a high school male cheerleader, you the chances of you being able to get a scholarship at a college to some degree to be a male cheerleader is very high and very uh, easy to obtain because there's lots. There's like, what, five major colleges in Florida that have massive football and bat, uh, basketball teams, and they have che- big cheer programs. So being a male cheerleader, you got a good chance. Like I was offered – I didn't even end up graduating. I dropped out um, – for whatever reasons, I, I have my equivalency and also is, you know, but I just time and things, but mm. I was even offered like potentially a half ride to three of the major universities if I was on their cheer team. Wow. So okay. for me, that was like, I, I thought was like a big reason of why probably it's very, there's a lot of opportunity there. Like it can open some doors. Yeah. Interesting how it trickles down all the way from like those big NFL teams um, and universities. Sure. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks for that little aside, a little educational n- node. So then, all right. In 2008 is what you said. You moved to LA. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, you know, even behind you, you have um, some of your accolades and stuff. Like, how did you end up becoming involved? And like, what, what did that, how did that relationship originate with WFPF? And then, you know, all working, I don't know if you worked your way up or if you were, yeah. it doesn't, I don't, th- from what I know, you weren't like a founding member necessarily of no. the company uh, or the organization. So then how did that relationship develop? And uh, and then, you know, you getting involved with the Ultimate Parkour Challenge, like that was obviously one of the big, you know, high watermarks for a long time. Yeah, in terms yeah, of, like, I parkours. stole one of the, uh, <laughs> the the targets from the final episode at the mall. Yeah, I had a jacket because they weren't giving them away. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so what, 2008? Yeah, picked up, moved here, only knew my friend uh, Kane. And, um, you know, just hit the ground running to see how, how it works. We, um, we ended up training, uh, work, you know, training at a gym called gymnastics Olympica. And that's kind of where everybody came for these open gyms, which was actually one of the easy ways for me to move here. Cause when I came and visited, I, uh, you know, met the uh, manager of that gym and was just shooting the shit with him. And, um, it leaked, you know, Hey, this Saturday, somebody, it was, I think it was like a Friday night and somebody on Saturday, 
called out and he was venting. And I go, I'll come uh, teach it for you. And I was just visiting at that point. I was, it was our spring break back in Florida. So I was coming and visiting and he goes, you will like, who are you again? And I told him I'm friends with Kane. This I teach back home. I'm just on uh, my vacation or whatever, visiting to see if I want to move out to LA. I go, here's my teaching credentials. Cause at that point I taught gymnastics for about three years, gymnastics and cheer uh, boys all the way up to um, like level 14. The gym I uh, worked at back in Florida didn't have any adult program um, or boys like after 15. So he said, yeah, if you come in, I'll give you open gym for the, for next week while you're still here for free. I said, okay. So I taught, you know, I taught class and he loved me and he basically then just said, yo, if you move here, I'll give you a job. And I was like, oh man. Okay. So I took that as a sign. I called um, back the gym that I worked at in Florida and gave my two weeks notice. And basically when I get back there, I'm giving you, you know, from that point, I'll give you two weeks notice. I'm going to move out to LA. And they were like, oh, they're the, the owner of the gymnastics side was very happy. The owner of the whole gym was not happy, but whatever. So when I moved out here, that helped me just get uh, to feel somewhat comfortable um, and have something to work at. That's where apparently that gym is where everybody came to train. So at the time, there was no joining all movement. There was no Tempest. There was none of that stuff. Um, so what, everybody what went like, there. What neighborhood in L.A. is it? Where was it? Uh, that would have been like close to Van Nuys. Not a very good neighborhood. Um, mm. But they would let it's the first gym I ever stepped into that, like, they let you do almost anything. There was like a rec side and a team side. You couldn't do anything you want on the team side, but the rec side, like, pretty much do whatever you want, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so, so I met there, like, um, what every, every you know, a bunch of people went in and out of there. So, like, Tempest was training there before their Tempest, uh, or not before their Tempest, but before they even had like t shirts, before, um, they were, uh, I free run LA wasn't out yet um which is like their first kind of major team video that hadn't dropped yet i remember when that finally dropped and i was like let's watch this um so we were training with them and then uh like i said my buddy kane was there who eventually you know joined team tempest in like the second phase uh, all of the second phase of team tempest were like my friends they got on tempest they did that um and then what by by a certain point white lotus opened up which is travis wong's gym he was there with king david and um, he just basically goes, you want to work under King David and teach our parkour program. So that was the first parkour gym. And I taught there for two years under, like, in my opinion, like America's OG parkour guy, King David. And uh, that's where I really learned so much about teaching basics, teaching strength to movement, teaching uh, the mind. you got to believe you can do it more than the coach telling you can do it. Just different stuff that I wasn't necessarily taught in gymnastics as much or explained. Here's why you want to do this compared to do it. And then um, what Tempest opened up. I was there for about four months. It didn't super work out. Um, and uh, oh, before that was MTV's Ultimate Parkour Challenge. So how that came to be. Uh, Travis Wong was a judge in the pilot episode. They moved him up to be the host when they asked him to be the host of the show. Uh, they asked him, who do you reckon? You were the only judge that nobody came and complained about from the community. Like they had a bunch of other people as judges, like William Spencer, who a lot of people just thought was a skateboarder. Obviously now if William Spencer, do you know who William Spencer is? Yeah, I mean, from what I know, he's uh, actually a Denver native originally as well. Yeah, And yeah, so yeah, he's got is. a little yeah. special... Special place in in my heart, just representing the area code, you know. Yeah, He's, yeah, yeah. He, and I, and also, and similar to you, I, I started in skateboarding, so there's a whole conversation there. But yeah, yeah. so 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 anybody, <laughs> anyways, everybody was complaining to the owners of WFPF about who they picked for judges, except for Travis Wong. Hmm. So 
I mean, I've always thought WFBF is very good at listening to criticism and being like, okay, so everybody else is getting complained about. Let's not bring them back, even though, you know, they're professional, but okay. And they went to Travis Wong and said, who do you recommend? And Travis put, you know, put my name in the hat. So then um, uh, at the same time, I was asked by the stunt coordinator of the show to come assist stunt coordinate uh, some of the episodes to help him. Um, because I was one of the few parkour people that really showed like safety first. I was one of the first ones in our group, you know, to be like, Hey, let's go test that roof before we jump to it. Hey, let's, uh, spray this thing down. I found some clear adhesive spray. Let's spray this. Let's bring this around so we can spray it and not slip on shit. Sometimes, you know, let's, um, (laughs) Hey, we're shooting now. You're not seeing the ground. Let's do a map. You know, like I was one of the few to kind of do that. So he liked that. So, um, when I was on, the season doing both of those things i think wfpf was pretty impressed with me to see that i could judge and i could do the safety and i could do parkour and um i was just professional and not you know i was i would do anything and i just wanted to, to help so when the show wrapped up at the wrap party I actually went up to the owners of wfpf and i said hey you know i'm i'm very impressed with what you guys did i enjoyed working with you guys um if we could do anything together in the future you know i would like to do that and from that, um, they presented, you know, that they got uh, an insurance company to uh, offer insurance to parkour businesses or gyms or whatever, but the business itself wanted a certification. So they asked me, Ben Jenkin and Daniel Arroyo to uh, create that certification so it could work in gyms and outdoors and it'd be safe and progressive enough that the insurance company would come and approve it. Um, so yeah, we started on that and that's developed to 1400 certified instructors across the globe, as well as we insure 65 gyms in the US, about a half dozen in Canada. And um, we've been trying to get into the UK, but it's very weird with their uh, sports governance program. So because the certification came out, it was a pretty big boom. Uh, gyms wanted equipment. So I started developing uh, some equipment for that where um, I always saw it as kind of like, you know, the pros and cons of owning a gym. I'd see these big parkour gyms, well, like a few, and they had prop, like they had stuff that nobody used. It couldn't move. It cost a lot. So I was already thinking like, okay, like, let you know, Legos or something that you could build different stuff. Number one was like the big thing I wanted as well as um, I remember the first big roof that I went to that I was intimidated to uh, jump I looked at it, I saw it, I knew I wanted to jump it. Um, and I went to the gym that night and found a way to recreate it, like the exact almost kind of run up with the drop and everything. So when I then went back to that place and I did it, you know, that was one of my first times really like going to something, being scared mm-hmm. and finding a way to recreate it somewhere else and work up to it. So then I thought, well, that's obviously like, as a business and as a practitioner, that would be the most useful thing to bring to the to that world. Um, because I've been to a lot of parkour gyms where there's kind of like basics and then there's advanced, there's not too much in between um, or vice versa. It's all practice and then there's not those other things. So we developed uh, an equipment line called Integrated Obstacles and uh, Pop-Up Parkour and it's all modular, um, indoor, outdoor. Uh, we even have like the Pop-Up Parkour has no bolts or screws, it just presses together. So we have people that literally go like park to park and they just put it in the back of the car. Um, when I lived in New York City, I literally just brought it around in the park, fit through like Central Park <laughs> and set it up. And um, that's how the equipment came to be. And then obviously competition started blowing up from uh, having these gyms, having this equipment, having these certifications. 
So the idea with the competitions was always try to evolve it. So over what, 10 years I've been doing competitions with WFPF, either indoors, outdoors, gyms, colleges, uh, regional qualifiers, onlines. We were on an 800 year old mosque in Turkey to do the first world parkour championship, 17 countries. Um, you know, I built, I built a, a course on the roof of that 800 year old mosque. Wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So it's just, it's, uh, those things eventually came with the 10 years that I've been with WFPF. Okay. Busy man over the last 10 years, it seems like, I mean, to me, yeah, you're doing a lot, um, yeah, I think so, putting yeah. on a lot of things together clearly. And I uh, mean, it's hard to even like know where to jump off from there because there's so many good little yeah. meaty points. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I'm gear. I'm curious, I guess, like what's, um, what's kind of like, how have you seen the evolution of, you know, obviously what I was kind of pointing to earlier with, you know, uh, the ultimate parkour challenge, mm -hmm. that was like this huge moment in parkour. There's been like waves and we've seen competitions blow up like that one. And we've seen Red Bull come, come and go almost. And you know, where, how is the trajectory of parkour culture sort of like, how have you experienced it? And like, do, do you, have you seen shifts and what do you see coming? Uh, coming, that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, hmm. uh, coming, it's all going to depend on bigger things in the world. It might go back to the streets because, um, what's going on with bigger things in the world, you know, like WEF world economic forum and, um, things like that, uh, lockdowns, things like that. Uh, cause businesses, I don't know if they're going to be able to survive, which is kind of sad. Um, so it might just go back to the streets. And I think if it goes back to the streets, it also won't, uh, people won't be able to make a, a living as much or grow as much. So, um, or they have to do it in different ways. For me, um, seeing it grow, I actually think the highest point probably wasn't, you know, I think MTV was the highest point. And I, the thing that I've always respected and appreciate the most with being a part and working with the WFPF was they use the word parkour in everything. The word parkour is front and center. It's the ultimately like they fought to have, a, you know, the word parkour in the title. MTV was definitely trying to push all these unique names, you know, that would be similar to like Jackass, which they were trying to do or Nitro Circus. They were trying to find these like stunt type words and names. Um, but the owners of the WFPF were just like, you know, the word parkour has to be in it. Um, and that's one thing I give them props for because even like Red Bull doesn't do that. You know, it's the art of motion. Um, uh, other teams calling themselves certain words and, uh, and stuff. I think it just adds confusion and dilutes the brand. Um, so that's yeah. a big one, you yeah. know, like, like, uh, the, a great example is uh casino Royale, you know, everybody, you know, if, if you say the word parkour and people are like, I don't know what that is. If you say, Hey, did you see casino Royale? And they're like, Oh, it's that, you know, it's because like they've seen it, it's everywhere, but people don't use the word so much. Uh, Ninja warrior is a good example too. big siphon from parkour, a tag, Tag right now is siphoning big from parkour by not putting at least the title in it, you know, um, in my opinion. Um, so well, there's is, a whole, I mean, I, I'd like to make, I'd open that up with you if you're down because the, you know, the, yeah, the, uh, well, because you know, the argument from people that don't want to use the word, for example, is that, well, parkour can't be competitive. And, and even if it is like competitive like it's so hard you mean to it can't be competitive it was about running away for your life how is that not competitive somebody wants to kill you and you want to survive tell me a bigger competition 
Um, well, I, I, uh, I don't know if like everyone would agree that that's like where it began is like running for your life. I mean, like there's so many different ways to interpret it. Right. So that's the, that's the whole, that's why I want to kind of see where you're, what you're thinking is on it. Cause some people think parkour is like this prehistoric thing, right. That existed in animals before we even evolved as primates into human, you know, beings or whatever, and okay. homo sapiens. And in, in that context, yeah, you could absolutely say, what yeah, were they running and moving it's the from ultimate before. competition? Yeah, you could say yeah. Survival wise, this is the Survival. ultimate competition, and yeah. um, and that's a that's a compelling argument. I would say a compelling perspective. Um, yeah, I don't think it's an argument. I'm not trying to argue with anybody. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, but I do think argument. it's the truth, and obviously, somebody might have a different truth, and that's okay, I guess. Yeah. But that that's like what me and you talked about earlier. Like, that's how I see it. If you see it another way, okay. I think also parkour can be whatever you whatever you want it to be for you, but I wouldn't suggest you push it on other people if they don't want it to be that. Like I know tons of people that have made a great living off the competition side of it that would not be able to pay their bills mm. or live their dream if it wasn't a competition. So, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I think all the anti-competition sentiment is more or less gone away, you know, over, over the years. I think that is one of the shifts that you can kind of markedly track is it seems like, that's what the community has wanted from from for a long enough time that it's like yes we understand that there's a again so there's another interpretation of parkour maybe that's it's more of an art form and it's more mm -hmm. of like a discipline it's even more it has more philosophical implications involved like the kinds of things that you learned from king david maybe you know back in the day sure. that you know aren't necessarily able to be reflected in a competition format except sure you know, maybe not in the rule set, but in like the experience of it, you know, whatever, or in the participation of it. But anyway, I'm just saying like, so siphoning off, like, so with uh, Ninja Warrior, it's like, yeah, I could, to a degree, it's like, yeah, there's parkour kind of like in it, but I don't, I would never call it parkour per se. Or I would say it's even... practicing parkour. It's training for it. Okay. And then with World Chase Tag, I'm assuming that's what you're referring to, not ultimate parkour tag, although either one. I, could tell, yeah, I mean, we can say either. I mean, what, Fernando Arce won that. He's a free runner, professional yeah. parkour guy. And Ninja and, uh, Warrior, what Tim Sheaf set the record after never stepping foot on a course. It's just because he did parkour, you know, that he showed up and set a record his first time. Um, so to me, both of those things are just, you know, I played tag. And that's how I learned a lot of parkour growing up. We would just play mm -hmm. tag. So there's a way to put, you know, our climbing and jumping. Um, so I'm not, you know, I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> this is I, like I, why I grew up in skateboarding. You did too. At first yeah. it was a means of transportation. Then it was, Hey, you know, it's faster than picking my board up and walking down these steps. If I just Ollie this bitch, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's also, you know, it's same with the, I was there for the flipping part of it too. Mm. Flipping's not parkour. Okay. Well, when I'm running at that wall, I can just side flip over that thing and I don't need to vault it. So, and I can do it faster than you can Kong it. So what are we talking about? Like also believe me, if I can, you know, uh, wall double full, I can also do a climb up. Like, you know, yeah. also why I climbed up so I could get on top of that and then I could flip off of it. Like mm -hmm. what I don't understand these, like putting in the boxes so much, you know, it's just that it, this is what it is. And it's like, okay, that's to you. That's okay. This is what it is to somebody else. You can say their parkour is not good if you want. I mean, you could say you're not good at parkour as me. Okay. You know, you could say, uh, to me, it's also like a mar it's a martial art. You could go fight jujitsu or you could just train it. You could go step in an octagon. You could not. You could go hit a punching bag. You could 
not i you know to me it's like what you know what why is it this in this box in this box so much of what it's it's not supposed to be yeah i mean supposed to be yeah, a hard thing to talk about right because <laughs> who is anyone to say what it's supposed to be right other than maybe you know you can make the argument okay well the yamakazi or david bell or sebastian Foucault or some of these founding members they're the ones who's supposed to say but then you open up other arguments i'm like well if it's this prehistoric thing then why would they have any authority i, I mean there's authority. a whole i'm not trying yeah, to that's funny too yeah why would you want i'm not, not trying to be to rude open... why would you want authority over it and then um too like, well, they, typically they don't yeah yeah well isn't one of those dudes in yamakazi trying to run fig I don't know necessarily. Okay, so here's a whole yeah. There's because I mean that's there's an archetype of everyone. Yeah, there's a well. That's what's so interesting is like it's it's still up to interpretation. I think that's why this conversation has still remained at least present. You know, and sure. in, in, across like you know even you know doing this podcast even for like uh, <laughs> coming up on eight years now or yeah yeah very very damn man very awesome man yeah but I, I, it's just so interesting that we. It's, it's such a broad discipline, art form, martial art. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know what category fits into and That's one of the beautiful things about it. We don't really want it to, to be boxed in like you're talking about, I don't think. I agree. And yeah. at the same time, it's hard to do anything with it if you can't put it in some kind of container. So, you know- Well, when no, you, you come, put it, it in your to... own container. You put it in your own container. I don't, you, you've done this for eight years and this has to do with parkour, right? The podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what if somebody said podcasting is in parkour? Okay. <laughs> but you've I mean, done yeah. it for eight years and it's because of parkour. So it's like, it can, it can be anything and I'm okay with it. And obviously some things can be good and some things can be bad. Some things I could say, I wouldn't do that with it. You know, yeah, like well, there, I, there's those conversations and those times and things, but I did parkour without ever hearing, seeing, or anything of the Yamakaze. Mm. I, I was do every kid's done it before they probably, I mean, I don't know about now, YouTube's everywhere and in kids' hands and stuff like that. I had never seen it per like purposely done the way like that. And I was already doing it as a kid. Mm. So for somebody that's my age or near my age to say, this is what it is. It's like, well, I was doing it before you without you or not before you, I was doing it without you. So who are you to tell me what it is to me? When I saw somebody said this parkour, I'm like, okay, that's the word of what I've kind of been doing. Maybe it's not point blank, <laughs> but if me and you go play baseball, but the rules are slightly different, are we not playing baseball? Like if me and you go play uh, basketball, we play horse. Like we're still playing basketball. Sure. It's not a team going point for point side to side on a full, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. we're playing basketball, you know? So yeah, I, well, don't, that's like... I don't understand the, like such a box. Yeah. And I, I don't, uh, I think like that, yeah, it's, it's hard to, because it's such a big term and because it's so powerful, I think in so many ways, it's so hard to find a meaningful boundary almost of like you're saying, there's like, what, okay. In a basketball, it's like, if there's no basketball, you're probably not playing basketball. We could just go you dribble know? a ball if you want, try to take it from and, me. But yeah, you, you could, could just... play, you could play with a soccer ball and it could still yeah. be basketball. Right. And so then it's like, yeah. huh. so this is like one of the beautiful things about life is like, when you start asking these questions, you start to realize none of these things really exist the way that you think they do in their mind. And so it's, it's, um, it's just funny picking it apart, but no, I, I love what you just did right there. You just threw even like a soccer ball into my basketball. No, no, this is great. <laughs> Let's also put it this way. If parkour is not competitive and not competition, then I don't know what the fuck I've just done for 10 years. <laughs>
Let's put it well, that and there's way. different ways to, to me, meet. If, since day one, I wanted to compete in it. I competed in the first American Art of Motion. I judged the second. I built the mm-hmm. course for the third in America. Uh, and to be all to a parkour challenge. I remember the day that I was invited to be on, you know, to help somebody on on a show. Didn't know what it was. I walk into uh, a factory and there's Oleg Ilabaka, Ben Jenkins, uh, Daniel Arroyo, Tim Sheaf. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? And they're like, you know, this is empty. this is going to be the show. This is what you're working on today. I'm like, I am. And I just met all these dudes that um, I've been watching online and never got a chance to meet. And within five minutes, I was moving like them, moving with them, going with them. And it's like, it, like that's not just, I don't know, because we knew what the word parkour was and we knew what it meant and we knew what it was. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, why is it? I don't know. Well, if there was no competition, that never would have happened. That show would never be. Um, I mean, surely parkour is big enough to sure. hold. Yeah, I, I mean, the the pie of parkour is, I don't think anyone would argue, is not big enough to hold competition inside it as one of its like wedges, one of its slices. Sure. And, you know, and I, I don't think anyone even makes that argument per se anymore. I think it's interesting because there's different ways to interpret competition even. Absolutely. You know, there's like, the you know, I've heard to strive together. That's like the original definition uh, for some people. And then for some people, they, they associate all these like egoistic sort of one-upsmanship and, and like, and sure. you know, my interpretation and for whatever it's worth, it's, it's just one dude's interpretation is like, it can be all those things, you know? And it sounds like you're kind of of the similar mindset. It's just like, it's, it, it is kind of what you make it. Everything is sort of everything when you, when you try to pick it apart and you try to draw a strict boundary, eventually you just draw something more or less that looks arbitrary, but it is important sometimes to be able to try to speak about parkour in a meaningful way. And then in doing so, you invariably kind of like make a wake of, of inference behind you of like what people think you're talking about. And now, all right, now there's a, now people are thinking that's what parkour is, but it's like, no, that's just what one person said about it once. And, um, I don't know. I kind of like, I'm getting so existent or uh, metaphysical, I think with it, but, but, but ultimately I think it's, um, it's just interesting because for me, parkour has, you know, some specific application and in my world, it means something. And also competition has been a big part of my progression for sure. So yeah, it's just, it, it's Nate. I, I think the nature of parkour is what people argue is like, it's not that parkour can't be competitive or that competition in parkour isn't allowed or shouldn't be allowed. It's that to, to understand parkour at it's like most for some people, purist level or something, they're going to say, well, that means like martial arts. It's just to make a distinction between martial arts and the UFC. And, and it's not that, you know, obviously UFC is martial arts, but, martial arts isn't equal to like you're saying UFC or you don't have to compete in X games to be a martial or a, a extreme athlete, or you don't have to compete in the UFC to be a martial artist. And, um, people get worried about that. I don't know who conflates it that easily, but it's sort of like a non-starter, I guess, in some ways, because. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. And, um, I, I, I honestly actually enjoy having these talks Just sometimes, you know, I get, um, I get not, I wouldn't say bored of having them, but you just, I'd take a break from them because I've, I've had them so many times and I'm enjoying it now. I haven't had it in a long time. Um, but for me, it's parkour at first was obviously, okay, 
um, just moving through my environment efficient, effectively, and not being hurt and getting, you know, probably stronger. And then it's okay. I'm putting these, I'm looking for specific obstacles to get over and whatever that mm-hmm. I perceive are in my way or anything like that. And then at a certain point, it's like, okay, I've run up this wall so much. What else could I do with this wall? And instead of it being an obstacle, it became a tool. So it's like, okay, what other cool things can I use? Can I do with this? Or can I use this for? And it's, it, it became that. And then at a certain point, it's like, okay, what are the real obstacles? These are the things that are in my head that I'm thinking are in my way. Okay, what do I want to do with my life? And then you start thinking in your head with you know the same philosophical thoughts of parkour or um, idea, which is what, you know, I wanted the sport. I think the sport is more functional in real day-to-day in life than gymnastics, but everybody goes to gymnastics even though they built this whole makeshift environment around the, the movement they want to see instead of fixing the movement around the um, environment. So that's where I think are the big fundamental differences. So with parkour, it's the same thing too. Mm-hmm. So it's like me, okay, I would like to see people being able to make a living off it. Well, competitions, okay, competitions is one. So I started building competitions. Then the other was, well, people need places to train. So it was equipment, insurance, certifications for teaching it. And it's these were the obstacles that I started seeing that the sport was having, you know, in its way of growing in today's world. I know some people like to take it back, back, back to like the founding people running through the woods. Um, and so like that, that's, in my opinion, that's already been solved. Most people can do that. So how do we do it in today's world? And how do we get it to where it's successful, grows, and there's all, and it's evolving and moving forward? And um, you know, I took ex- um, lots of inspiration from other sports. That's one big thing. Even growing in the beginning of the sport, I was cross training a lot, and people weren't. I remember work, you know, training with different athletes, and we would just go do sprints. We would just do uh, floor vaults, and people would look at us like, "What are you doing?" And it's like this is cross training for this is how I, you know, fix my imperfections in a smart, safe, controlled place. And I bring it to the more advanced place. It would be pushing it like a profession. It would be growing it in different ways than just doing your best tricks on YouTube and letting people see it. It was showing progressions. It was educating the people that were new so they didn't make the same mistakes we were making. Um, you know, it's it's those kind of ways of how I eventually started growing and thinking, what are the obstacles slowing down the sport from being what I perceive as probably the most useful sport for everybody on earth to know and understand better. So that's that's how I like eventually have evolved, I guess, with parkour was just what are the obstacles stopping from everybody being able to learn and thrive with this uh, discipline? Hmm. So, I mean, and once again, that's just mine. And it's helped yep. a lot of people and some people don't like it or it hasn't helped, you know, that's fine. They've done it their way. That's okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be, especially when you're doing big things, I've noticed that in this community in particular, there's a lot of, you know, it's partly because it's a burgeoning community. It's still new. It still feels like there's a lot of people being sort of protective over it and also, you know, wanting oh, yeah. to, at the same time being protective trying to kind of steer it the direction they're trying to get it to go um and you know woof you know wfpf um i don't know if it's pejorative to call it woof people say that 
commonly, but I don't know if that's like, <laughs> oh, I, was there when I don't know if that's like any, yeah, yeah. I've not talked to anyone in, uh, in the company that's like, do we, do you guys okay with that? Is that like a, is that a fun? Yeah. 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 Uh, I was there when King David made it up. I was there when he presented it to like Dave, Victor and Francis, the three <laughs> owners at the time. And they laughed. Uh, there used to be a video that was very, you know, it's pretty old. Um, but it was called, uh, legends of the wolf puff. And it was just oh, all yeah. those like first gen, uh, athletes just going ham. So, um, it's, it's a thing, you know, whatever. Well, you'd mentioned earlier that like, you know, you, that company in particular, um, has, you know, because of the things that it's been doing in the sport, because of like all the boundaries that it's helped to expand and, you know, it invariably everyone that's I've, I've noticed that invariably this is just something I think that's human. I don't necessarily think it's unique to parkour, but parkour is a great place to look at it because again, we're a burgeoning community. We're young, we're kind of developing still. And you get a lot of, um, there's like the kind of person that is able and willing and has the resources, has like the gumption, has the, um, passion to execute some of the ideas that people will, complain about because they didn't get it done the way that they see it. And so I know that there's been lots of negative feedback over the course. And you, you were saying basically that there's, you know, been some, you, you think that WFPF does a really good job of listening. How, how do you feel like that, you know, you guys work with that and like, what's been your experience of it? Because, you know, again, you've just done a lot, you know, and you've, and you've continued to work with many of the best athletes in, in the entire discipline for, in, in a lot of people's eyes and continue to push forward. So I'm curious, just from your perspective, what's been the experience and just like how, how you have experienced it, if you've experienced it, and then, yeah, your thoughts on, on how, do you, how you respond when that stuff comes through. Well, obviously, uh, I really appreciate this question. It's, it's tough to answer, it's a broad one, it's a big one. Um, and I don't wanna be negative about it, which it is kind of easy to be. Um, so this is also a reason why we, I don't do these things too often um, mm. is because you, you can't, you can't build what we've built and not had, you know, pros, cons, good, bad, this, that, because you're coming into so many people's lives that who knows what time they're coming to your lives at certain times. And then the big thing is that I've learned is like uh, how to fail forward. And what I mean by that is so many, you, and I'm a, I mean, a lot of people know me that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm controlling, but I'd say I'm confident in knowing what I want before I even start. Mm. And, um, like the path, like kind of what I see in my head and what I want to do and stuff. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. So, um, but the idea is you also can't control what comes to you and how you have to then, uh, just fail forward at it. And what I mean by that was certain things like, you know, um, the MTV show coming first, like if that came now, we'd fucking murder that show. That show would be <laughs> epic and great because I've had 10 years since that to practice so many things and understand. But at that time, I didn't even know WFPF. You know, I, I auditioned as an athlete. Um, then they auditioned me as the host. And then Travis Wong's the one that proposed me to be a judge. And that's how I got picked for that. You know, the stunt coordinator was the one that put me up to be the assistant somewhere, not the owners of WFPF at all. Mm. You know, so it's like um, how that, you know, how these things have come to be is sometimes we, you leave the project and some people want to work with you more. And sometimes people don't want to work with you anymore because it's just, it's the juggle and it's like figuring it out as you go. And it's working with so many different people. Like to give an example, 
of something, the park that I told you about that I just found out and released a video today that I designed my first uh, public park design built in Perth, Australia. I've never been to Perth, Australia. Uh, I would like to go, uh, but we designed it right before COVID. They didn't even tell me that it was finished. I coincidentally found it. So wow. it's these things that the guy that helped me design it, uh, this friend Asa Kruger, who uh, I met when we were doing a certification for a college in uh, Minnesota, and he was going to the college to become a structural engineer for his engineering degree. He's since gra graduated. And they put on the first collegiate parkour competition at his college. And he did it for his like test. He built the parkour course. We did the first, and I think only in US collegiate parkour competition. Like that's still in the history books. Hmm. Since then, I've gone to him for advice on every course we've ever built because he's done parkour, certified to teach it, structural engineer, like all these things, you know? So, Luckily, I have somebody like him to fall back on and do things with and build very cool courses with. But like my uh, where I'm going with with that is two years ago, he volunteered basically to help me design that park when me and him knew nothing about what we were doing and just did Zoom calls with people from Perth, Australia. Hmm. They then said, OK, we got everything we need. We'll keep you posted. Never did. Me and him are still friends. We've worked on probably three projects since all being like, man, what a waste of time that was to just all of a sudden yesterday to find out, no, that thing's built. It's good. It's good. Here's kids playing on, it. you know, like it's, it's tough sometimes to like control the situations and some people get let down when it's not within their control or didn't pan out the exact same way that they thought, or just the amount of patience and self-awareness you got to kind of have to be to roll with the punches that this, lifestyle has given me you know um it's it's tough like I, I don't know a way to explain it unless you've kind of been it you know um a lot of the people that also i guess would say hey you know we don't like them probably honestly haven't worked with us or if they did it would have been like 10 years ago it's probably like somebody through somebody that had a bad experience and what is the real experience? I don't know. Like, I, uh, you know, one time somebody got super mad at us because it took us over 30 days for them to get paid. And it was like 32 days. And it's like, it just fell through the cracks. Sorry, man. Like, you know, like it's, it's just those kind of things is the majority that I hear. Or somebody says, Hey, I thought you promised I'd be able to do this job. And it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. You interpreted it that way. We reached out to you to say, Hey, somebody's looking to hire somebody can we put you up for it? Mm. That didn't mean you get the job, you know, <laughs> sorry, you thought that's what that meant that way, you know, and then they just have resentment. And then sometimes, I mean, for me, uh, I've, yeah, I fucked up. There's definitely been times where, um, you know, working for somebody and I just misunderstood what the, the task was or the job was like Robbie Corbett totally was like, Oh, you wanted me to, you, you know, like, I was working at one gym and they got mad that I was working at other gyms. And I'm like, well, you don't pay me enough to be here, <laughs> you know? And that's where the conversation then started to be to where it's like, it was kind of a tribal thing and a territorial thing and a whatever. Um, but it was one of those that's like, well, I have to pay my bills and I have to eat. 
And it has to be that way. Now, sure, sure enough, I got uh, fired from that gym. And I, it's, I look back and I, I see why they fired me. I see why I was mad that they fired me. I see why they, but I see why they fired me. Like, it just wasn't one of those things that, uh, yeah, wrong, wrong place, wrong time, wrong, whatever, I guess, you know, um, it's the same with, you know, WFPF too. Um, let's talk about, you know, that too. People say that we're uh, a monopoly. Tell me one thing we monopolized and said, you can't go do this other thing. Like to ask any of the people that are ever on your show or whoever, you know, put it out there, ask them whenever they've come to somebody of WFPF and they've said, you're not allowed to go do that. I've never, as an owner, I've never told somebody that unless it went against the contract that they had with us, that they were getting paid to do the thing that we're asking them. And it was already in writing and they signed and agreed it. We're, you know, like there's, uh, to give you an idea of also what I'm talking about. So there's a, we have a judge that literally did two of our USA parkour cups, brought his students out, judged our competition. The first year, somebody had negative things to say about him, had a talk and said, Hey, this is what the athletes are bringing up. What do you think? And he said, Oh yeah, I could fix that. That makes sense. Okay. Then the next time he did better, then he went and did a fig competition last year is coming back and doing our USA parkour cup this year, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, you, uh, I know fig reach the USA gymnastics. People just watch our USA parkour cup, take the people that win it and invite them to go do fig competitions and compete in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they do. I don't say shit. <laughs> I put on every USA parkour cup. I don't say shit. When people go do other competitions, I don't say you're not invited back. I don't message them and say, yo, that's disappointing. Why are you doing that? Mm. I can't afford, they can't, they can't afford not to do that. And I can't provide enough for them to not be able to do that. You know? So I wish I could. Um, it's, it's not, it wouldn't be fair. So when people say, is that it's, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't push in, you know, whatever. Uh, you can't put it on anybody else, but I don't think people push them enough to say, explain why to me you think this way about WFPF. Explain mm-hmm. why or where you heard that, you know, stuff yeah. like that. It, to me, it's normally just, it's pretty petty when you look at it or it's old and in the past. And when you're trying to run a world federation, you know, that what is partnered with 65 other federations in other countries that does what it does and helps how it helps. Like things are gonna, you know, it's <laughs> not gonna be perfect by any means. So. Well, um, I very much, yeah, I appreciate yeah. your answer. I appreciate your, you know, just hashing that out and letting us all know your experience of it. And also, you know, just, yeah, I mean, I can just tell that <clears throat> from my experience, you know, I don't have much experience working with, I, I pretty much zero with WFPF myself and so for my judgment of it is there is none so and even if i was you can have I'm a not, judgment you can have well, a judgment. I don't, just I don't, don't hold it you know well the, the thing is, i mean i don't know i'm just i'm just curious because i know that like it's probably been you know the, you were talking about how like okay well your athletes that have competed athletes that have competed in the the world cup of the usa cup or the world cup competitions that you've put on like you got no issue with them taking part in fig competitions or other grassroots competitions or and you know, there's, it's just a, it's just a very interesting time because like there's, there's lots of organizations, you know, there's parkour earth and there's USA parkour and there's W. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What do you, do you have any thoughts on that Parkour out, earth. out of the gate or do you want to, I'm just, yeah. 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 100%. So parkour earth, in my opinion, has done more harm than good. 
And why I say that is International Parkour Federation was the first recognized federation to be able to work in the sports governance world many years before Parkour Earth. Parkour Earth did not, did not, uh, Eugene, I forget his last name, who put it together. Minogue. Minogue. Put it together as a reflex or a reaction, sorry, to FIG. And what he actually did was then dilute the sport and help FIG. And what I mean by that is FIG would go to the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, and say, this sport needs our help. We've been with you guys for 50, actually 70 plus years in sports governance. We can help these guys the same way that uh, like wheels and whatever, uh, I forget that what that federation is called with the IOC, went and said, look, we can help skateboarding because they need our help. They've been around so long, but they don't get sports governance. If they come under us, we can help them, hence help the International Olympics Committee. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what FIGS moved. Uh, first, they claimed to be the first federation, which we could fight them in sports governance court and win. We were before them. The International Parkour Federation was. And just so we're clear, when I talk about International Parkour Federation, I'm just head of competition director. I only work with the IPF if they put on a competition. I help set up the gameplay, pick the athletes, the course, and so on. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm not an owner of that in any way. It's a non-pro- uh, nonprofit. There's a board, and I'm only on it if they're talking about a competition. I have no other saying it. Just so you know where I come from with the IPF and how that works. Sure. But I know sports governance enough to know that when Fig said that, they didn't have anything to stand on until they then went to Apex uh, and Apex worked with them, which made it not look good because they said, look, this this Apex grassroots uh, team and people want to work with us because they see the same thing. Then Apex bailed out, which makes sense because I don't think that they quite understood the gravity of what they did until it was too late, which is understandable. People make mistakes. But what the real mistake was, was Eugene then creating Parkour Earth, and he's fully aware of his mistakes because when he did that, Fig was easily now able to say, look, there's two federations. They don't understand it. Not only that, when Parkour Earth decided to hop in, Eugene decided to go with Parkour Generations and mix it. They had, first off, Parkour uh, Generations had in their bylaws that they are anti-competition. So they can't be in charge of sports governance. They can't be in the International Olympic Committee because what do you think the Olympics want more than anything? Competition, right? Yeah. Do you watch the Olympics for non for it's... the non-competitions? Do you just watch people talk in the Olympics and watch them walk out and turn it off as soon as the competition starts? No, you do not. So when he did that, it wasn't a smart move because it was very easy now for Fig to say, look how confused this federation is. They have two international This federation federations. or this discipline, like what? This sport, uh, this they're, look they're, how bad IPF so is. They can't manage these people. They, there's a billion ways that you can. But why? It, why would that? Uh, so much I'm, I'm just curious. Like, why does that give them leverage? Because. So the International Olympic Committee is what puts on the Olympics. I understand. Yeah, like, they well, I understand. I sort of sports understand. Sports federations yeah, that yeah. are recognized within the sports governance world. Mm-hmm. They work with FIG, which is one that has all their disciplines underneath them. That's like, so FIG used to just be men, girls, gymnastics, then they took rhythmic, and now they've taken, and then they took trampoline, and that's all underneath FIG. So FIG just goes and talks to IOC, and the IOC says, we're going to give you this arena, we can give you this much money, we need Mm -hmm. this much time of television. Yeah. And FIG says, okay. Then 
four years go by, the Olympics happen, they watch uh, back the data and they say, okay, a lot of people watched fig XYZ, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give fig more money. Mm-hmm. Let's get more fig shit in there. And that's what fig does. Okay, let's go to, now people are watching less gymnastics. So fig goes, let's go take other disciplines. They get, they went for break dancing. They went for pole dancing. They already tried for cheer and lost. And then they went for parkour. In my opinion, number one, parkour shouldn't be under gymnastics. It should be more under race. That's why we went to the obstacle sports federation first and tried to partner with them in the tackle Cause I think the core principle and founding uh, philosophy is more in speed in racing. And then the freestyle comes with it after that. But that's a whole nut, but we can get into that differently. But because that happened, like that, Fig went to the IOC and goes, look, here's these sports that are going to be under us. And the IOC has to say only works with who is the uh, uh, one governing body, number one, and it has to be the official governing body. So for Fig to go to the IOC, which we had talks, obviously, with the IOC, and they said, look, they're saying they're the official body. You were established before them, yes, but we're they're showing us that there's chaos in this and that they can help bring this together and help the sport. So, so the IOC comes to you and says, fig told us, Oh, you went to them, but the, okay. So you guys are talking with the IOC and you're saying like, we're the, we're the Federation, international Federation. We're recognized. And because parkour earth was created, then fig jumps in and says, look, they don't know who they are because there's two of them. Well, they so, already did. But, they already but, said so all that kind they, of it, To me, that that's just like a silly argument, though. It's, I mean, where does, okay, I'm not saying, I'm just for Fig's, Fig's case is like, they don't know what they're doing, but we know what they're doing. We should know what they're doing. It's like, mm-hmm. why, why, I mean, do you, I'm just wondering, do you understand like a little bit more about like why that argument is compelling? Or is it just the fact that Fig is a big, huge, you know, well-funded organization that they can kind of throw their, their opinion around and their weight around in that conversation, even though yeah. essentially like they're just, it just, it's, it's, it's like, we're going to throw a third name in the hat because two names in the hat means they don't know what they're doing. It's or th- a third hat in the ring. Rather. It's like, we're throwing our hat in the ring because these two don't know what they're talking about. But yeah, it's just kind of a strange place to come from to be like, well, just so we're clear, degrade the, idea. Is the third hat that did that. They were the third one in the chain. Oh, so you're saying, okay, originally it was IPF yep. and then FIG. FIG in conversations. Yep. And then when Parker Earth came along, that mm-hmm. is the third hat in the ring. And so, but why would that give any extra credence to FIG? Well, first off, Eugene wouldn't have meetings with uh, Watanabe, the, or the, the head of the Gymnastics Federation of FIG to some degree. Mm-hmm. So that did it and went there on behalf of acting as if he is the leader of the world of parkour earth, which is the federation uh, in his eyes. So there's that, mm. that, uh, that does confusion obviously. And then two, the IOC, the Olympic uh, international Olympic committee works with the heads of sports federations and they would like them to have as much control as possible. Like they go talk to the aquatic they talk to the main people that then have everything that happens in the pool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Another big one, since you come from skateboarding, you know, skateboarding got fucked because they couldn't make their own within enough that now they're with like bikes, street luge, and like five other sports that they're in the mix with equally. 
where all the money's getting spread equally, uh, the power's getting spread equally, and it's just going to not I thought really there was a huge uproar about stuff. that. And they, they still yeah. they still did, they did not succeed. I didn't know. I guess I didn't follow it to its end. I, I thought when like I some of the big names got involved. Because I think you're also thinking like SLS, which was kind of like the sub branch of it, which is more the for profit. No, no, um, I know. I, I understand the distinction there, but I thought, I guess I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't follow the story, but I thought that maybe some bigger names like Tony Hawk himself and other people got involved and they were able to establish a unique discipline for skateboarding. But I guess that's not the case. If they have, then no, you absolutely could be right. Uh, I don't know. We we need like a, we need a guy on Google on the side. (laughs) Come on, come on, Google guys. Where are you? We got to invite the third person uh, to be checking in for us on that stuff. But But, from my understanding, that's how they got screwed. And that's also, So what, what we, you know, number one of talking to the IOC and talking to Sport Accord, that was a big deterring factor to, to give more leverage to FIG to say these, this, the athletes of this. We were taught, where were we? We were just talking about the competition, the whole relationship, the interplay between um, Parkour Earth, IPF and FIG. And you were kind of explaining where. We didn't quite get to the interplay yet of Parkour Earth and okay. uh in uh, International Parkour Federation, but we were just more talking about the broad of where I would say Eugene making that move, I would actually say was a setback for the sport of parkour. Yes, in the sense of it being able to go to the Olympics, being able to have professional athletes have a chance at it, and then also having the right leverage. Um, Because what we can get to the other kind of point, which is the the big thing was like the MOU, which was, here, here was once again, another way. The International Parkour Federation sent Victor Bavine over to go talk to uh, FIG's president. Um, and they, within you know four hours, were able to draft together an MOU, so a memorandum of understanding, which the president there signed that says parkour will be... Fuck, what's the word? Uh, let me think about it real fast. Real, real fast. Um, mm. I'm going to burn it. Sorry, I don't want to burn it. Um, <laughs> parkour will be autonomous as a sport and a business from gymnastics, which a lot of people don't understand what that necessarily means. So when they show the MOU, they're like, they've partnered with FIG. They're going to do this. Gonna just, first off, an MOU is just, do you know what an MOU is? I, I don't actually. I mean, okay. I, I know what a memorandum, I know the phrase. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means uh, yeah, yeah. legally or whatever. Yeah, no worries, no worries. And this is like the thing, um, not to discredit the parkour community a lot, but a lot of people just don't, when you get to certain levels of working with world federations that have been next to the Olympics for 70 plus years and stuff, there's a lot of legality and there's a lot of, uh, you have to be on your toes. You know, you, you're, you're, you're messing with, like you're playing with some, some gorillas in, in a big cage, you know? So that basically just says, Hey, we're signing a contract that we will, that's not legally binding by any means, but it's like a, a handshake on paper is if you want to think about it, that just basically says we will keep discussing how we could potentially make this work together with more conversations based off what we've signed on here, which is parkour will be autonomous from gymnastics as a sport and as a business. So what the IPF agreed to try to communicate more with FIG is we will work beside you. So if you have FIG and then you have all your disciplines, we will be over here. We won't be under. We'll, IPF will be here. And it's how can we, because we've already done uh, competitions 
alongside cheer competitions. Like when we did our jump offs in um, Vegas for two years. We were right beside a, a cheer competition. Uh, the second year was cheer and tricking. And then the USA Parkour Cup, we do in a arena that has a gymnastics competition on one side, a judo competition on another, trampoline on another. So we're always down to find ways to partner like that or be in those kind of events. And that's what our deal was, was that no gymnastics business, gymnastics coach, gymnastics athlete would be able to dictate a parkour business athlete or whatever. But we obviously saw that there was potentially some very good positives to working with FIG of getting the sport into the Olympics. They've been in the Olympics for 70 years, probably can learn a thing or two from them, you know? So that's what we attempted to do with that MOU. Um, and that's it was just, let's talk more and see how we, how you guys can benefit the sport and how the sport can, you know, benefit you guys. But that's, that's where we went with that. And then obviously, um, we had a similar talk with uh, Eugene about how once he developed Parkour Earth, how can we do that together? And the big consensus back was IPF and WFPF should come under Parkour Earth, even though we you know, were established for many years before them and had actually put on, at that point, dozens upon dozens of competitions from regional all the way to uh, world as well as our certifications, as well as our, our other accolades and things like that. So um, they weren't interested in doing something like that together. It was either all under parkour earth or nothing. So um, that's where I think, you know, parkour has set the sport back actually for the people that want to compete, the people that would like to be able to be on that stage and do those things. Mm. I think that's where they set it back. Um, I was talking with on the very previous episode, actually, Corey. Um, I don't know if you know Ooh. them, but anyhow, th one of the things that came up, it's not really so super relevant, but it is sort of just a question of just, are you, are we ready? Do you feel like as a community, are we ready for the Olympics? Is there a reason like yeah. that there's been some sort of, because there's, to me, you know, one of the most fascinating conversations that comes up, and I'm not trying to um, necessarily posit this as like, this is my position. I just think it's an interesting question is like, you know, there's, there is so much changing in our world, right? Changing okay. in like the, the zeitgeist, you could say. And Olympic yeah. parkour, or, you know, Olympics in general <clears throat> have their place, but is it, does it, does it still remain? Does the future of, you know, and I'm not, this is, I know this is a crazy question for, in some people's eyes, but is like, do we even want Olympic parkour or do we want parkour to? First off, who's we? Exactly. There's so, definitely people that want to do parkour in the Olympics. So are yeah. we just like, pretending they don't exist? I'm not pretending anyone doesn't exist. I'm just asking, I guess, is the. the who, who were you talking to before this podcast? Sorry, Corey, is that what you said? Yeah. And oh, this isn't, this isn't their position. Cordelia Hollingsworth. Oh, Cordelia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 We can talk about Sorry. Cordelia. I know Cordelia. Um, um, and I know her husband, uh, uh, Chris. Chris Hollingsworth, very well known for many, many years, uh, nice. had, uh, uh, situations with Cordelia in and out, the positive negatives. Yeah, Cummings and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Cordelia. I know who we're talking about. I, I heard Corey. I'm sorry, so I didn't know who we were. Who we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, anyway. 
So and, and am I speaking about what she said or am I speaking about what you this think? Isn't, this isn't um, what they've said. It's just that they have uh, a, no, a number of people, this has come up across the podcast for me is, is uh, and, and in private conversations or whatever. Of course. Is there's something really powerful about what parkour could represent. I think this is the attractive, this is like the best interpretation of, of somebody who's maybe not interested in Olympic parkour, or maybe is um, hesitant to it. Okay. Um, obviously there's, there's like, you know, to, to steel man, that, that argument, it's like, you know, why wouldn't we want to be a part of this ancient, you know, just one of the most honored traditions in sport. You know, it's like the, epitome for many sports this is the epitome of their competition this is the pinnacle of what they do sure. and in some some sports it's not quite um a living wage for those athletes and it's, it's kind not of a living like, wage for for 99.9 percent .9 of them but, but yeah neither is what cordelia is doing for parkour athletes well i i'm not trying to put them in the conversation right now of like okay uh, uh, as like a someone to buttress your argument toward against or anything i'm just i mentioned them because it was something that we talked about in the last episode it just so happened to be something i don't even know their stance on it per se oh but okay okay sorry i don't I, I, yeah sorry but uh the um it's just a it's just an interesting question of like well what could parkour represent if it's a community that wants to you know dissolve corruption if it wants to dissolve um you know because in general you know that's the that's the narrative that's been coming out with a lot of these big organizations with sports you know fifa ioc those are always these like glaring shadow aspects to them is like well there's they're always doing something shady they're always putting you know it seems like um the bigger they get the more there's controversy around it. And maybe it's just like um, we had talked about earlier where there's sort of like a lot of speculation, but there's actually, if you look into it, there's not as much um, to complain about as what, you know, we all think there is, or it's, it's or a give and take. They, Nothing's perfect. It's or exactly maybe it's, what I mean you already talked about. Or maybe, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's worse or maybe it's better. It's just an interesting question. I think it's worth visiting before um, or just not assuming that's all is you know and then what what does yeah. that look like you know and then uh well it, it, it looks many different ways and this is something me and you talked about before we started the podcast mm -hmm. which is i i would like parkour to be a part of everything instead of saying well i don't know if that's right for parkour or whatever it's like well i know personally thousands of parkour people that would love to be in the olympics doing parkour mm. so in my opinion conversation's over <laughs> let them go do it over yeah. it's over the people that i hear saying that it shouldn't be there in my opinion don't provide enough of a path for those people to be able to try to cut that path off for those people yeah i feel plain like simple so i also think i also look like... at the sport one second i also look at the sport one way yeah. too you can be in the nba and never go to the olympics or you can do both or you can do neither i can just go play basketball on the street with my friends yeah. Why, why, like parkour is, to me is bigger than the Olympics. So I don't know why people think if parkour goes to the Olympics, that's it. That's what parkour is now. That's not true in my opinion at all. And I honestly don't believe that. And I think I have pretty good insight from talking to the people at FIG, talking to the Olympic committee, talking to the federation leaders, being in the sport for 20 years. I don't see it that way. I don't see it going to the Olympics and all of a sudden now everything's going to change and be different. I see an addition coming. I see more opportunity for the word 
to be commonly known by people and then to get an example of it in that space, mm-hmm. you know, um, like what got a lot of people into skateboarding, probably Tony Hawk pro skater. Is that in any way reality to skateboarding? Absolutely not. No. So what? Well, and, and skateboarding you know? and basketball are also very interesting <laughs> because those are never in my opinion, like as far as I can tell, they're never going to be Olympic sports. Basketball, they, they are, NBA championships. I mean, they are, they're, excuse me, they're not going to be Olympic sports in the, in the, in the way that like, what is the one that, I mean, like gymnastics is or like uh, sure. swimming is, you know, where the best that's in the world, that's been crafted around that's, the Olympics. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. there's, there's sort of like a center of gravity almost of like where the actual weight is and maybe the biggest competitions are even like sure. boxing is another good example where you can have your entire, in fact, you have to have your entire career in Olympics competition before you ever go <laughs> pro and you can never go back once you've gone professional as far as exactly. I know. And, but I mean, your Olympic boxing record, I mean, you might have an impressive Olympic boxing record, but boxing record, excuse me. But at the same time, nobody really looks to that as the epitome of the sport. They look to the big boxing <coughs> promotions and the heavyweight belts and the those organizations. 100%. And it's so, a stepping stone. It's a platform. Yeah. It's a path. And it's so not, it's maybe not the end all be all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think parkour is going to be one of those like swimming or anything because, again, I just don't see it falling as neatly as it needs to fit into an Olympic setting, like Olympics, they have to be these very neat, tidy things because it is such a huge coordinated event that you're going to have to have some very clear boundaries and and all that. And again, I don't know that for me, the center of gravity is ever going to live off of like a video or off of like, uh, you know, just influence even just in street training, like you're saying, but there are like opportunities for, competitions in olympics and outside of olympics to have huge mm-hmm. impacts on the sport and have huge Absolutely. avenues for people to take and um yeah i'm with you 100 percent in the in the in the idea that like there's no reason to cut our you know cut that pathway off to athletes if people want to do it you know one of the best ways to get into the ufc is if you have any olympic credentials in wrestling or boxing mm-hmm. you're now in the us you could be in the ufc and you're going to get treat it very well. You're going to get a very good contract to start. Uh, the highest pro wrestler in the World Wrestling Federation, that I think his deal is something like $10 million for three years, and he only has to do like 20 appearances a year, is Brock Lesnar. And it's because NCAA wrestling champion twice. Didn't even have to get to the Olympics. They, got, they saw he was on that path and he was crushing it, and they picked him up. He also then decided to quit that federation and go straight to UFC and they gave him the fucking green light because of those things. So it can be a useful tool. It can be a useful avenue. It could be a positive one as much as potentially it could be negative, but that's everything in life. And I look at it too, towards like, Oh wait, it can be on Ninja warrior. It can be on world chase tag, but it can't be in the Olympics. Like why that, that makes no sense to me. Like why, you know, and once again, I speak, I'm not going to the, I'm not going to the fucking Olympics. I'm 36. I speak for the thousands of people that I know that are legit athletes all the way to maybe not legit yet, but dreamers. And I can also talk to kids that would fucking love to be in the Olympics. So if we just say that that doesn't, those aren't, those people don't get a say or they don't get to live that dream. I'm, I'm out. Anybody who's saying it's not worth it for that, I'm out. And they can have their opinion. But like to me, no. 
Awesome. And then the mm-hmm. other thing I wanted to address, like, since we're on this topic and, you know, the other, the big fear, I think that, you know, the last point that people like to make if they're, if they're hesitant towards this or whatever, is that, well, when it is in the Olympics, let's say we, we all agree that we want it and we don't want to cut that pathway out. We're not all going to agree. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's just say that two people agree that okay. that's the way we want it. And then, um, another fear that I hear from people, and I'm just interested to hear your thoughts because you are close to these, these conversations and you're in it. And so I think that it would really help some of these people understand like, you know, maybe what their fears are, where they're coming from. If they hear somebody who actually knows the scene talk on it is okay. Well, what if it's not, you know, it's, they're like, we're not going to get it perfect. Clearly, obviously we're not going to get it perfect. Like the first time around. But then there, the fear is that like, uh, well, now that's going to be what Olympic parkour looks like. And that's what everyone's going to think parkour is when it becomes like this televised event. And you don't think they can go on Instagram and see a million different versions of parkour. They can't Google it and see a million different versions of it already. You think like, I don't let these people that are so afraid dictate me. Mm -hmm. Like all I hear from you is what these people are afraid is going to happen. I wouldn't have done 99% of the things that me and you have talked about if I would have followed my fears. I wouldn't have. They wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff, I'm not even showing you because I've done it and I'm so embarrassed on it. Thank God people don't know about it because <laughs> I just wasn't able to succeed at it the way that I wanted to. Yeah. And to his ultimate parkour challenge, failed. We only did half a season. That's it. We couldn't figure it out because we kept trying to change the gameplay each time and we were trying to do a learn while we earn idea of that show because when we were first off i wasn't in the full meetings but when i got my input you know i was just trying i was trying to say this is what it could be and then everybody else was trying to say what it could be and luckily mtv was just like let's try it all let's do a different kind of competition every single episode mm. you know what i mean and each episode got a little better some weren't you know, some were like, okay, like when we went to Santa Monica, sorry, the first episode was really good on the rooftops. The second one, we were on the Queen Mary uh, boat. Yeah. And that, that's another thing, art of motion, first time on a boat. Shut the fuck up. Okay, so Queen Mary's on a boat. <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever his name is, shut the fuck up. So we're on a boat and we're doing the parkour and they want to do a speed race because they did the exact same thing you're talking about. Let's do, let's find a more quantifiable way to put it. Okay, let's do speed. That one was freestyle in the pilot. Let's go do that. And I looked at it like, hey, the pilot got 3.5 million views. Why don't we do what we did on the pilot again and just do that a little <laughs> bit better instead of going segue into a speed race? You know what I mean? I was like, okay, whatever. They didn't listen to me. Hey, that's fine. Don't listen to me. And it, it, it not that I was right or whatever, because we didn't do it. I don't know if it was right. It could have been worse. But we did the speed race, and then we all watching it like, yeah, this isn't that cool. A freestyle would have been cooler on this boat because the, the this place was cooler for freestyle. The next episode, we found it in between. Okay, we're at Venice. Let's do a speed, but they have to do three flips. Okay, so we tried that. <clears throat> we all agreed that wasn't cool. We went to the next one, which was like the castle, and that was all a freestyle performance. King David votes for you. Very cool. So, like, the point that I'm making is, or what I'm hearing from you, is and you're speaking on behalf of other people which i totally understand so i'm not trying to whatever i do think i mean i'm all for if it's up to you say their names because if i know them you know whatever 
But no, I, honestly, like. But, but the yeah, idea yeah, is they're ahead. afraid. They're afraid it'll be this. They're afraid it'll be that. They're afraid of it. You can't let somebody like that control a sport because you know who else is afraid? The dudes that were going to have to go out to the Olympics and be watched by millions of people and be the representatives of the sport and compete in it and stuff like that. Mm. Like they're going to be afraid too, but they're going to go do it because they want to do these dreams and it's not going to be perfect. What's the first vault that you ever did? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Was it perfect? <laughs> it was probably pretty shit. Yeah. Although it got better, right? It got better, right? Yeah, no. And I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Right? Like I think, my personal views, if you're interested in them. And I, I like, again, like you said, I, I don't necessarily even memorize anyone's names. I don't know who's what, what, where I just felt like a slight responsibility to bring some of these points up because I know that some people feel this way. Um, and I think it helps actually, it gives, it helps us all get on the same page. If you have a chance to address them, you know, well, we're, we're not because, all going to be on the same page. This thing is way well, too big. It's way too maybe, big. Not the same page in that we agree per se, <laughs> but we at least understand where, where each of us are coming from, hopefully. And maybe that's, coming I what, from, I can understand yeah. where we're going. We can talk about it, but I wouldn't yeah. stop somebody. Also, I wouldn't purposefully or mentally or whatever. I wouldn't attempt like, so let's, let's talk about it like this way too. There's a sport parkour league or whatever. I let it go. I don't say anything bad about it. I don't say don't go do that. I don't say don't do that competition. I definitely hear the other way of people saying, certain people there say what you're doing is wrong. And I say, okay, what am I, what are we doing that's wrong? I never say what these other people are doing is wrong. I never say don't go compete in their things, don't do their things. Um, so when I hear we're a monopoly or I hear these things, you know, it's it, it's very confusing to me because I understand the definitions of the words and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, correlate. And then the other thing too that I hear a lot is uh, these other people that are supposedly uh, leaders or um, whatever they are is they're inhibiting a lot of other people from doing what they want to do with the sport. And to me, I I don't I just I don't agree. So I, I'm I'm no longer in the space. Do I have the time, the energy, or do I even seem productive? to try to get everybody on the same page. It's not going to happen. It's too mm. big. And that's mm. great. Like, um, what kind of phone do you use? I have an Apple. Yeah. Yep. And this is this goes to what I'm going to say. I have an Android. And I love that. I love that there's not one way. If there's something fucking up with my Android, I can go your way. If Apple mm. wants to hold back and be cunts for two years and not give some kind of cool thing, because there's Android streaming, they have to. It helps everybody. If well, and there's that competition yeah. again. <laughs> it's not necessarily competition. No, um, well, they're that having is competition, one of the advantage of it. But yeah. I, the consumer, am the one that's benefiting the most. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's how that's... I look at it. Where if you're a real leader for this sport, mm. in my opinion, you shouldn't be closing anybody's doors. Obviously, there's like going to be some gray zones. There's going to be some things that's like. You know, I've heard gyms that have some weird things going on with coaches and students. And I say, that's bad. If you tell me more of that, I'm going to like, we're looking into that. You know, that's not good. Like there's certain stuff, no good. There's certain stuff about people like doing dumb moves. Like you just kind of watch them and they do like, I, I don't want to call them out, but you just do something. You're just like, oh, like what, you know, you just shake your head and you say, whatever. I wouldn't then write, I, like, I'm not the kind of person to then say what you're doing is wrong. This is so bad. Like. Or I wouldn't go tell other people, hey, don't do what they're doing. Like, I, I think that's petty. I think that's tribalism. I think that's also just not helping the the overall sport grow. You know, it'd be the same, in my opinion, too, if telling people don't go do uh, Ninja Warrior. 
that's like that's helping Ninja Warrior. That's not helping us get a parkour television show. Because when I was in pitch meetings for parkour shows, they kept saying, well, Ninja Warrior is on TV. Why would we do a parkour show? Tags on TV. Why would we do a parkour show? I didn't go tell people to stop doing tags, stop doing Ninja Warrior. That's not good for a sport. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I hear you. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm personally of the opinion that yeah, I don't ultimately fear for the nature of parkour being corrupted. I don't really feel like it is corruptible. I don't feel like uh, human beings like ultimately are you know untrustworthy at like at the default, and therefore it should and will all work out in everyone's benefit, and we're all growing and learning. And we're going to figure it out. And yes, of course, like I kind of mentioned earlier, there's going to be some people that spearhead it that you're going to make some fumbles and whatever, but sure. they are the only ones that have the kind of calloused and like high velocity nature, maybe <clears throat> where they can enter that space. You have to have kind of a warhead on you if you're going to, you know, enter into like serious territory to a degree. I mean, and to that counterpoint of my own like kind of setup there is just like, I do think ultimately the, the thing that I trust the most is the kind of gentle and kind and empathetic um, parts of the community that I see that we are willing to listen to each other at the, and, and this isn't, this isn't necessarily even something I think again, that comes down to parkour or not. I think this is a human characteristic. I think yeah, those I qualities agree. shine through and those qualities will help to build the right situations for everyone moving forward. And, you know, we will buffer out those, those kind of like sharp edges that we might create as we, you know, f jump into, you know, the next evolution. There's growing pains <clears throat> essentially is all I'm saying, but <laughs> no, no, no. I there's think, a maturation I think you're in a is polishing good. process for sure. Yeah. 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 No. Afterwards. Sorry, I mean, uh, over talking you're, to you. You're good. Yeah. You're good. I think what you're saying is all correct. I resonate with what you're saying. Like, um, uh, the 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 other like the perspective too of being, um, you know, where I've been to look at it too is I know some people, um, like we talked about. Uh, I think it was before we maybe started. Uh, like how people act on commenting on Instagram or commenting on Twitter compared to like what we're doing now. I think, you know, is a big thing. Uh, <clears throat> and then another thing too, is how uh, you compare certain people in the, in the space that they're at. So I know some people get on like the um, women's competition so much equal pay, but a lot of the competitions that we put on, there hasn't always been equal pay for women's, but there hasn't always been the same starting line. There hasn't been as many competitors. There hasn't been as high of an entry. And then there's not as much, um, participation and things like that so then you also look at other federations and things that were being compared to right now that took 10 plus years of success before they were able to do those kind of things so let's look at ufc is a great example 14 years before they had their first females competing and the reason for that was because financially in this in the way that it would work to uh, grow in the smartest way for the sport. It took 14 years before the sport could afford to be able to respectfully and professionally do female in their sport. They took that long and now they kill it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so many sports now are being forced that upon them, even though they, the sport itself, the organization, the operations, the community, the 
the funds, the participation, the, we can even say the skill level isn't there. It's not mean that it won't get there. And it's not mean that people aren't trying, but it's still put up to this certain kind of level and standard. It's the same too. If I go put on a parkour competition, I used to get more negative comments about the live feed, even though it was free. And people now no longer had to come to the event, no longer had to buy tickets, no longer had to support it. They could just watch a live feed that cost us thousands of dollars and many hours of operations, organizations, and um, brain power to put on to then actually get more just negative comments there than positive. So I cut out live feeds for like three years. I was just over. said, no, no more live feeds. You come to our event, you see what it's like. If you have a say, then you've earned it. You've come here, you've seen it, you've done it. We felt that the energy is where it needs to be for the people that have shown up. And we had a lot more, uh, things were just a lot le less stress-free there. So it's this, um, you know, and then I saw like to, to talk on that too, is uh, NAPCA all of a sudden just added pay-per-view, which is, I thought was, was great. And then what did people do? They complained. Why? I shouldn't have to pay for this. Why? People are putting energy, time. It's going to the athletes. It's going to the production. It's going to stuff. So it's, when I look at it too, is I think a lot of where I'm getting at with this is people what are they comparing WFPF to, number one? And then what are they actually doing? What are they actually doing that's, that's, give, that's giving to the Federation that they should be expecting back? The majority of the people that I talk to or that I don't talk to, that I hear about talking, don't buy our certifications, don't use the insurance, haven't purchased equipment, uh, don't compete in our competitions, don't, they don't do anything with us. All they do, though, is say what we're not. And it's like, well, why don't you come help us be that? And then, you know, the conversation generally stops there because it's something we're just supposed to magically do. And it doesn't necessarily work like that. I would love for it to, but it doesn't, you know. Um, and it's one, it's it's that it's, you know, that's that's where I'm trying. I Based on what you said earlier, where I'm trying to come back from the perspective, which is for the majority with WFPF, <clears throat> People that have come to us and said, this is something I'd like to do with the sport. I would say more often than not, the answer back from WFPF is how can we help you do that? Hmm. It's maybe not, you know, because it's number one, it's what are you trying to do with it? Maybe we've already done something with it, or we don't know how we can put our energy towards that right now with how we're spread. How do you, how do you see, how would you like to do that? And certain people that I, I think you're getting these words from that have been on your show, I've been there when that has been that person has come to WPF and asked that and WPF has answered it back like that. And then certain things just haven't worked out. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily that it was bad, in my opinion, that it was like, um, it, in my opinion, it wasn't bad. It was just people trying to do something together and didn't work out. Some people take it the other way. Some people go do it with somebody else and it does work out. And once again, that's a big thing that we don't, or we haven't, in my opinion, created a monopoly in any way to say it's either with us or not. I think uh, a lot of things are succeeding very well or growing and uh, yeah, it's not, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I think to your point, like uh, ultimately, you know, with the Samsung, Apple, you know, options, people will flock to the platform that they like the most. And ultimately, you know, there can be more than one platform that people 
resonate with and and there should be uh, you know that's another good uh, point to be made is those platforms sharpen each other just by existing in the same kind of arena to a degree um they increase and expand the pie for parkour to for athletes and to have opportunities to do things and those athletes you know the bigger the platform gets the more you can do with it if you are you know successful or if you work hard and and utilize and adapt your parkour to that platform in a way that you know is meaningful to the cultures you know the, you think about these epic athletic figures in history like cassius clay or muhammad ali obviously or whatever but uh yeah you know some of the figures some of the greatest figures in in sport have had something to say with after they've you know risen to the top and and done something with their their accolades and i think those are those platforms like yeah they invariably they can be a little bit corrupt or not necessarily corrupt but just like there's bads there's negatives and goods that come with it i mean dana white you know just had that infraction or that whole mess with his wife you know he hit his wife on camera like not well, a he, good look. He, he hit back his wife yes yeah i mean not a good look for no, for him or for not the sport at all um i don't think but once again that has any... nothing to do with the sport that was him on vacation with his family in mexico yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I, I don't even know exactly where I was going with that, except that, um, just to say that like nothing is perfect, I guess. And like, yeah. even though a lot of us love the UFC and a lot of us love what that platform can do for an athlete and can, <clears throat> it can be a huge amplifier for an athlete to, to have a meaningful experience, inspire a lot of people. I mean, I, I, it's clear that you're a fan of the sport, like the, the end of the year that Leon Edwards, like, yeah, that was I the that Karar was Uzman, that was, that that, was the comeback that, of the year. That was the comeback that of the year. Moment, yeah, he was down I mean, three. He was down four yeah. four rounds to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and those moments are, in you know, in my book, I guess, like ultimately, they're worth it right now. You know, even though that there's there's sometimes there's a black eye on the sport because Dana White had this you know TMZ moment and well, well once and again, then, not to not to whatever. Like in my yeah. opinion, that has nothing to do with the sport. That absolutely has, has to nothing it. to do with the UFC. I I would say that you could. I mean, it, it's quite possible that it has nothing to do with it whatsoever. I think yeah. that there's a certain celebration of violence that you know I participate in. Okay. That is part of the culture. It's like woven into the very fabric of combat sports, and I would say mankind. I think and yeah, probably that too. And then, and then with that, there's going to be, if, if, if we have a value of that, if we celebrate that, which I do, then there's going to be little expressions of it that go on that, that are not, not acceptable essentially, or just like, they're not good. Like, you know, him hitting his wife, not good, not a good thing. Not something I would ever condone. And I don't know that like, it's I don't think anybody does, def- but what does that have to do with UFC? Well, I would say that I don't know that you can, you could argue logically like, okay, this is, you're not going to be able to connect the dots like one-to-one, but I would say that if you're living your whole life in combat sports and you're surrounded by violence, it might be something that's influential towards your likelihood to commit kind of domestic violence or any of those things. I mean, we've seen that in the sport, that there's there tends to be lots of, 
you know, the, when you celebrate dudes being super violent and aggressive, eventually that's going to leak out in areas. And it, unfortunately it sometimes leaks out on their families. And if we're not willing to like, I, I mean, I think it's like, it's not a one-to-one. -one. I'm not saying like, Oh, okay. because we should abolish the UFC. We should abolish the sport. We shouldn't, you know, have NFL or any of these sports just because a few bad apples or whatever, um, can't keep their aggression contained inside the octagon or on the field or whatever. But I do think that it is something that happens because they're in that culture. And because we celebrate aggression, if our value, have you seen the, have you seen the video? Do you know what happened? Yeah, I saw the video. Okay. What, yeah. What happened? Uh, they were in a club. Mm -hmm. They seemed to be not having a good time. Then uh -huh. uh, they, his wife slaps him. He slaps uh -huh. her back and then continues uh -huh. to slap her. Like, I don't know. It kind of like looks, breaks out into a little okay. commotion yeah, yeah. there. And yeah. what I would say, again, so because like, you feel because Dana White's been around fighting, that that's what did that, even though somebody struck somebody else first? Well, I don't think that it's acceptable that if, if whether or not she hit him first or not, I think is. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Okay. Uh, but I don't think that, yeah, that I don't think that really is relevant per se. Okay. If whether or not she hit him first, but the fact, I mean, like she shouldn't have hit him. Well, I'm just saying either, that's a family but, thing that happened. Obviously it's a family thing. I don't see yeah. what that has to do with UFC. That's what 20 plus years well, it's fighters. just interesting. That would probably I mean, like, that it, would be yeah. fighting probably in bars, streets, whatever, are now at least in a place where they're agreeing to it, they're training for it, they're mentally preparing for it, they're getting paid for it, they're yeah. getting health care for it, all that stuff. Like I don't I don't see how that and I don't agree with that in any way, but I don't see how that has to do exactly like with the UFC. I, I, it's a I don't know. I think it, it's, it's in my opinion, it's more of just marriage problems, which are in every facet of this world and are not right and needs to be looked at in a different way. I don't think yeah. that has anything to do with the UFC. That's, I think there's, um, there's definitely an argument to be made there. I mean, especially with that particular incident because their history, because we, there's no reason to believe that there's any history of it. I don't know their but, history. Yeah. I have but, no idea. But, uh, but I, I do think that there is, I, I think that there's more domestic violence in the NFL and in combat sports than there is in wiffle ball or badminton or any of these like things. That's There's all I'm saying is like people in both of those things. Okay. Well, let's say even like per capita or whatever, I would say that like when you celebrate violence, invariably you're going to have some side effects in, mm. in the culture. And I don't okay. think that, it, I'm not trying to say that, oh, because Dana White was around it. Maybe the, no, I see what you're maybe saying. it's isolated. I'm, I'm, with you. I'm on your way. But I, I, I do think saying. that it's just, uh, it's just something that we have to maybe look at as a society and, and decide like, you know, again, to me, not necessarily, I don't, I don't think it's worth like, because it comes down to other things, a personal responsibility and, and et cetera, where you can't like expect society to solve that problem for you. And so if I, yeah. I think that the spirit of competition, the spirit of, of even, you know, people who agree and want to, you know, set themselves in a cage and, and see who comes out the victor there's something so compelling about that, that maybe it is worth, you know, whatever small side effects there are until maybe there aren't any, because like you're saying, like, you're never going to get everyone. And well, just that type to, of to, person yeah. that would do NFL or do uh, UFC is somebody that is more of a fighter contact type of person than mm -hmm. some of the other sports that are no contact. That's generally what drives them to that one, to that sport over, you know, 
basketball, baseball, wiffle ball, as you said, stuff like that. Um, so I think just that's that kind of person that, you know, back in the day, they would probably just be in the Coliseum as a gladiator, you know, like yeah. they would be a bullfighter. They would be like whatever traces back before UFC or before the NFL. Um, in my, in my opinion too, it, 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 doing the UFC or doing the NFL is, is, is similar, but I think it's more mentally than physically. Uh, then like, I remember growing up, the big thing was video games. If I played Mortal Kombat, I'm now going to be a, I, I shouldn't cause that's going to make me a violent kid. And it didn't, yeah. um, in my opinion, I wasn't. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's, again, so like it's like that, that, that's where I'm more talking, trying to talk to you about is like, I, I don't know. I, I, I personally think, every human's flawed. I personally think obviously humans have made everything that we see. So if you think of UFC, or if you think of NFL, or if you think of whatever, it's the word derived from the, the person, the people are the ones that built it. So the more people you involve in something, the more likely it's going to be good and bad. You can't control this only good and only per- We've seen it just like you said, so many documentaries, so many things of like the image of something. And now finally, somebody that's a journalist or something goes in and cracks and finds that cancer, which is great because then they normally take care of that cancer and we're back to the positives. And then of course the cancer is going to, it's, it's just the world that we live in is going to come back to those kind of things. So I normally just go into everything thinking there's a good and a bad here. What am I attracted to? And I think I'm a good person. So I just, it generally goes towards the good thing. And then obviously if you see bad or no bad, you, you try to, you know, I wouldn't say expose it, but you don't uh, turn a blind eye to it. You know, you don't just say, I didn't see it. Like, oh, I didn't know, you know, like uh, what another one's at USA Gymnastics. That to me, that's more, that was systemic within USA Gymnastics, the problem, not necessarily the other situation we just talked about. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, like if we just look into each other enough, we're going to find like we, we already know that there's something that I don't like about me. There's something that you don't like about you. There's something that some person doesn't like about you. Oh, yeah. you, know, you might oh, not yeah. be that person. No, everyone's anymore. flawed. Everyone's flawed. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean so everyone's if, you know, a bunch well, of maybe... us all come together and try to build something, some of that's going to happen in there. And it's about controlling that. I... <laughs> And I'm just a, I'm just a speculative individual in general. I think it's like curious mm-hmm. a little bit. It's kind of fun mm-hmm. to poke, to poke, poke these conversations open. I mean, 100%. but you know, cause it is like they, I don't know. It, again, I don't think one necessarily has to do with the other, but you know, Dana White's promoting the slap championships all of a sudden. I'm not a fan of the slap. I know what you and mean. And it's just that like, not, that coincidence it, does not work all, well for him. It did not work well. It's like, <laughs> no. all right, you've never slapped. You've been married almost 30 years, never a slap once. And now, you know, this slap thing all of a sudden. There's that's a slap. true that so, you bring that up. Yeah. That from so, that perspective. Okay. No. So yeah. That's all I'm what saying. I like, this is what I like talking to you about too. Cause now I'd actually say, you know what? that perspective resonates with me. So I'm, I'm glad you didn't just like shut down and stop talking or be like, you're right. Whatever, Robbie. You're like, no, no, that's, that's a good, I mean, oh shit. I don't know. Actually now you never yeah, know, you're right? right. You know, you're right. No, like, no, no, no. Now you're, don't know. you're absolutely right, man. This is we a don't very know. good first conversation with somebody. I must have to say, Brandon, like for never talking to you, this is uh... <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Yeah. You come in and I really appreciate like your energy and your time. And, and I know that you do so much. And so I know your time is pretty valuable to you. Otherwise, um, you well, I've been wanting to talk to you since October. The... So yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been no, trying I to get you to pencil yeah. down. One second. Let me plug in on uh, my laptop saying it's going to For drop. sure. For sure. Um, one second.
I don't know if you can still uh, hear me. Yeah, 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 I can hear you. Okay. And, and you know, it, and just for anyone who cares, because I'm just, uh, I have some time to ramble here. I think Dana White did handle that as well as anyone could in terms of like responding to it. I don't know what's going to come of that, but he took it know. and he didn't make any excuses. And, you know, we'll see. Like you said, it's a private family thing. For, for me, I have no idea. But, so just to be clear, like, I don't know if he was drunk. I don't know if she was drunk. Not saying that it gates anything. I don't even know that much is what I'm trying to say. I don't I'm sure they both know. were, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, I'm not here to, to point the finger and, and wag it at, at Dana White per se. I'm just, uh, it's just something interesting to talk about. And it's something that fascinates me about culture and, and especially because I'm, I'm fascinated with just like the values that might shift over time, you know, with, you know, even being the gladiator days, like we talk about to now stepping into an area where we're like, okay, well, we're not going to let anyone die in the octagon. You know, we just, we don't, we don't approve of that anymore. And, you know, but we still, we still want to celebrate that, that did you watch, level of, did, did you watch the Izzy Perry, uh, Alex Perry fight? Pereira? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First off, amazing. I was like, <laughs> in the, you know, at the, the bar place standing up and screaming. Cause when the fight started, I was an, I wanted Alex to win. I always like, just so you know a bit about me, I like seeing the new guy come up and take it from the established guy. And then I love when the established guy comes back and it's like that, you know what I mean? Like when and that's the story, uh, like, yeah, I, I love when somebody has been the top for a long time, gets mm. dethroned, but can take it back. I love that. Um, that's a beautiful story. That's arc for sure. the hardest thing when you've been that you've been at the top for so long and you've lived a good life for so long to mm. lose it and come back that I, <clears throat> That's really impressive in my uh, opinion of a, like a warrior of a real true, uh, yeah, just warrior. So when that fight was happening, I was really quiet, you know, and then as the rounds got, like I was here, I'd hear somebody like say something like, okay, that guy's into Alex. Okay. He's not an easy fan. Mm -hmm. And then it kept going. I'm like, okay, that guy's not an easy fan. And then by the end, I realized like everybody there wanted Izzy to lose. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, sweet. So by the end of that fight, we're all like screaming, you know, obviously and like <laughs> everybody's friends, but we didn't know at first because nobody knew each other at the, the bar place I was at. So it was a really funny experience. But where I was going with that is a lot of people complained because the UFC, they said, stopped it too soon. They're like, oh, he yeah. wasn't, he wasn't completely knocked out. And it's like, I don't know what you thought about it, but for me, I'm like, he was good. He was about to get. It right looked a good stoppage to me. I he mean, I've seen much, be, much worse yeah. stoppage than that. I feel yeah. like, yeah, it, there's, you should stop a fight when somebody's getting that many blows to the head. That if many if you're, untouched if you're looking blows. After the fighter. Yeah. The I referee agree, did so. his job for sure. Yeah. So I know that like there's sport, the ghetto out on your shield and all that. And like, especially when there's a champ champ and, but that's too much to put on one referee. Like, well, you should really understand. I mean, we would love it sometimes if we'd let them go out in their shield because that can be really awesome too. And like you said, maybe he could have no. come back. But I doubt. The, like it's what unlikely. Are the odds, the odds then, are more. Yeah, have you been? Have you have you had a concussion? Oh yeah. Yeah, I've had three, um, over my life, and mm -hmm. uh, no, like to, you can rehab <laughs> your body and come back in six months and fight. Yeah. But if you get knocked unconscious, like there is no, we don't know enough to say, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's six months and you're back. Like that could be forever, you know? And no, the fact that it's like, it's a big, that the UFC did that. I thought was like, I, I thought it was props. Cause I, I watched a breakdown where the guy literally like counted and showed in slow-mo to like, is he doing this? 
and Alex is like over here. Yeah. And the guy's yeah. like, who's is he doing this to if you're telling me he's not unconscious right now in all act if he's not actually rocked? You're telling me this guy's just this is what he wanted to do. This was his defense mechanism. <laughs> that was a sound guy. Yeah. Uh, it no, that yeah, that is I mean, again, nothing's perfect, especially when things are so wild like in a in a fight like that. I mean, it's it's incredible how few of the fights are le- like that one wasn't that controversial a stoppage in my opinion. It was going to be controversial just because Izzy's such a big star. You're going to have some people come out of the woodwork, but sure, yeah, I think there's. It's actually incredible how few endings and stoppages and and things are. I think the judging definitely needs an upgrade. We saw some of like weird on that last card of the year. That was some we're in a good space judging. with that. Yeah, yeah. But, so you know how their judging works, right? With the athletic commissions and stuff, like. Uh, roughly. I mean, I don't really know how it works except that. You know, I know that the UFC ultimately is not supposed to be, you know, they're not employees of the UFC. They're employees of the no commission and it's different from state to state. And s- certain states have like better reputations than others and having good judging and good, you know, representation of the athletes and good drug testing, et cetera. And other states are kind of known to have maybe some biases and there's certain judges <clears throat> even that get like, there was a huge controversy with that last card, I think of the year in December where this one judge, you know, had broken some of the rules where he had flown like overnight, essentially not had enough sleep as you're supposed yep. to have in between fights. Yeah. And, and he had notoriously had like all these shitty card readings. And so yep. people are not no, hey, a big you're super knowledgeable in this. Yeah, man. But, um, impressive. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know you were so into it. That's awesome. I'm um, deep. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot more. Yeah. We got a lot more in common than, than I thought. Um, which is great. Um, so yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. So the beauty that we have too, as a sport is, I mean, after every, before every competition, uh, we try to announce who the judges are. We have judging certifications online that are more competency certifications in all honesty. It's like, here's how we judge and why. And it's also about, here's how you fill out a scorecard. Here's how you, here's what you need to explain to the athlete and the parents. So they're all on the same page before any competition happens. Mm-hmm. And what I do at any event that I'm at is bring all the athletes and they're allowed to have a coach on the course when uh, warming up if they want. And the idea is the, what I say first is, you know, thank you guys all for coming to this competition. Uh, you know, it's because of you and, you know, for you that we do these things this is all great. And that's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to rush it, but I'm just trying to get you to the, the part that I think has to do more mm-hmm. sports governance is then I go and I say, if you know what you want to do on this course, that you're going to watch back in 10 years and be proud of do that. The, the course is now your stage perform however you want that you're going to be stoked about later. Mm-hmm. If you want to win, here's the rules. Mm-hmm. And then I say, you know, uh, execution, it's how well you dissipate the impact. You can roll, you can absorb, you can stick it. Any of those are all worth, they're all worth the same as long as it doesn't look like you fell or hurt or, you know, uh, absorb the, uh, you dissipate the impact. Next is flow. How much you don't lose momentum in your desired direction. You stop and pause, look left and right. You're going to get deducted. You stop, you're chalking up and you're huffing your breath. You're going to get deducted. Uh, you're stutter stepping into every single move deducted. You know, it's got, the flow's got to keep moving. It's got, it can be either with an obstacle, just your feet rolling, whatever. That's what flow looks at. Difficulty uh, is what you is how you leave the ground and what you do in the air. If you you know punch on concrete and do a you know Rudy, it's the 
front flip is worth one point. The one and a half twist is worth another, you know, point and a half. So you get two and a half points. Now, if somebody does it from like a split or sorry, uh, like an aerial takeoff and it comes down to a tie, you'll probably get more points because punching that is more difficult than uh, split stepping it as we've just seen in our, you know, time. And then last is versatility. It's if you use each of the five events, bars, wall, vault, floor, and drop. <clears throat> so we make sure that you're a well-rounded athlete. So if you're just doing only what you're good at, only accentuating your positives and eliminating your negatives, you're probably going to lose to somebody who's more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, the gist of it. And then I say now for the next, you know, 45 minutes of warming up, here's the judges. And I say what they're judging, you know, execution, flow, difficulty, versatility. If you have any questions, go talk to them directly before you go. Show them your run, ask them how much this is worth, ask them if this is a bar skill or a drop skill, ask them, you know, what this counts for, that counts for, go talk to them, you know, have them write it down if you want, record it while you talk to them. Because if after you want to bring something up about the judging, Let's do it. You know, so we try to right now we're in a great spot as a sport because we can do that where the UFC is not allowed to do that. Like the UFC is not allowed to really talk to the judges. The the athletes aren't allowed to really go talk to the judges. Shit, even, you know, the press isn't even really allowed to go talk to them. It's pretty tough. So I try to use the position we're in right now as much as we can to make it as good as possible and carry it, you know, learn each time to make it a little bit better, a little bit fuller. Obviously, we have the certain athletes that complain. Uh, that they didn't win like no shit like what athlete doesn't complain when they don't when they when they aren't the winner like it happens so there's no perfect way to do it but we try right now and personally i try to find a way to get the judges the coaches the athletes the comp director all to be at least talking and working together as much as possible every single time and that's like a luxury we have right now as a sport that a lot of other sports don't have yeah, that's awesome. I think that's it's it's great that we can maybe up level the the standard for judging and and like having it be fair. Although, you know, like we've been talking about with the UFC and with boxing and with FIFA and you know even the biggest, most well organized, biggest funded, biggest players, biggest like international superstar names, they're not getting it right every time. And there's always going to be upsets. And there's always going to never be, will. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like, that's probably woven in again to the nature of, of, of what it is in that people are going to, well, it's what people like, perceive it to be. It's what people yeah. want. It's what, yeah. what is it really? You know, that's a mm-hmm. big question. That's really tough. Look at skateboarding. I mean, we'll go back to that. You know, I love skateboarding. Well, we let's stick with UFC too. UFC used to have zero time limits, used to have zero weight classes, I think you just couldn't like bite, kick in the groin and like gouge. Look how much they've been able to evolve and change and learn what they've earned. Um, And that's what, you know, I try to emulate as much as I can because that's the sport that I've seen in my lifetime that's done it the best. I would say the next one would probably would be that I'm aware of would be skateboarding. And for me, when I started skateboarding, it was only in the streets. But I remember the first time I saw a half pipe on, you know, uh, ESPN or whatever it was. And I was like, what is that thing? Cause we never, I've never seen one of those. And then a year later, a guy built one, you know, down the street. So we went and skated one. Um, 
And then that became the thing at the X Games. Tony Hawk, Bucky Lassick, um, Bob Bernquist, that was all right there. Mm-hmm. And um, then it went back to the streets for a little bit because Ryan Sheckler showed up <clears throat> and it became like uh, trendy to be a skateboarder for the first time. You know, people were in vans, even though they didn't skateboard, people just thought Ryan Sheckler was cute and hot. So they, you know, dressed like skaters, which is all fine. Um, I didn't super agree with it, but whatever, it was fine. And then the next thing that I remember that was huge was all of a sudden people were talking about Bob Bernquist again. I'm like, why are people talking about Bob Bernquist? That guy was always like number five when I watched Vert. And they go, there's this thing called Big Air or Big Trick or whatever. And I go, what is that? And I watched. And Bob Bernquist, the guy that was always like number five for like 10 years in Vert, they created this new thing. All of a sudden he is the man because they made this new thing and i i always took that away as okay this sport is like street vert cool like bowl skate you know back to street back to vert big air downhill all this stuff that i'm like you think bob bernquist is mad that that all of a sudden that they added this big air you know even though he was number five vert skater for 10 years like no like well he he pioneered big air as far (laughs) as i can tell he built that he in was his a, backyard, he, and that's yeah. That's why yeah. he had the. I mean, obviously, like that. That's fascinating to me because I love what you. I mean, I love that whole story because it's kind of like you're saying. It's the he was maybe never at the top, but he was close to the top, and then he kind of got good like, living. He aged out because you just that's what happens to athletes, and then he was able to sort of make a comeback by inventing a whole entire like offshoot discipline of skateboarding that is extremely compelling because it's huge obstacles like big features big air huge ramps but only someone like him could do it because you need the resource to build these massive backyard ramps and stuff and i think that's how it started it was becoming just in number his five invert for yeah. 10 years gave him enough money time <laughs> well, energy freedom uh mentally to then dream up this crazy thing in his backyard and it's like a it's like that an old man skyrocketed him <laughs> you know to being the skateboarding man I mean, and at least when it started, it was sort of like an old man discipline because it was so new to everyone else that yeah. he could just like, he could just use the, and, you know, the years and years of a technique to do the right flicks and just, you know, slow everything down and make something really good work on a huge big air ramp. And everyone else like just was still learning. And yeah. now it's like, now the young guns have come in probably and adopted it enough where it's like, all right, it's for freaks again, you know, oh, like, yeah, I remember can, the first one but he was able to kind of like level yeah. the the playing yeah. field again for himself by, by doing something that, you know, wasn't such high impact and you could, you could wash out a big, yeah. I mean, well, until it is, and then it's, yeah. then it's really high impact. Yeah. So, but anyhow, yeah, I love that story. Um, and, and, uh, that was another thing again, just to throw it back one more time, just since it's been in there with, with Cordelia was that that was one thing we landed on, which is like, you got to open up lots of different competition styles because that's the only way that we're going to find like a place for everyone in the sport potentially. Or that's one of the ways that we find more places for more people is by like you're saying, just opening up different versions, do a do big air. What does parkour big air look like? I don't know. I don't know if that could be a thing. Yeah. We've done it. Oh, you're done. Okay. What does it look yeah. like? I mean, there's very few things, if, if you want to think about it, that I haven't at least dabbled in or explored or played in just with my own friends, my own uh, circles, my own things. Um, but we, uh, with the integrated obstacles, uh, we made what we called the the ramp. And uh, like the famous kind of like clip from it is Chris Hollingworth, her husband, doing the, uh, uh, what is it, like the 
aerial what is it like a double aerial twist or what, what's it considered i'm trying to think like a, tri a triple aerial twist because what an aerial twist is an aerial with a 180 so then he adds two so yeah so a triple it's triple a twist to concrete landing flat screaming at the competition you know um so that you know that's how we've kind of done parts like that um, well I, I i only mean like yeah we've had big trick and big like do your <laughs> biggest thing but i mean we haven't changed this very opposite well maybe you have still i'm not saying have. you haven't i'm just saying like in order to create something like big air, I feel like we have to have, I think like Pasha's um, pinball machine is sort of like that where you have like actually a different physics involved where you're like, okay, we're slowing down time because we're on a slant. So you can actually take what looks like a bigger drop or you can do more spins than you could do because you're kind of like a moon gravity. That's what I kind of mean. But got you. But like, I mean, just, yeah, I think for us, I we looked at it as what could we build? That's like a kicker ramp per se, like that launch ramp and then have the, you know, the landing, but it's, yeah, it would still be considered parkour. And it's not once again, like we get to this thing, which I'm not totally against like Ninja warrior or what's like the other ones. Like they do like the airbags from something super high to like an airbag. Oh, yeah. Cause you, you eventually get to like the human aspect of it, right. To where you got to. The human, like uh, manpower is a great example. Like <clears throat> I, I would love to have got, and I still will to this day, if the opportunity comes, get funding and just go to manpower with like the 10 best and actually be allowed to be there and control it enough to like, let's set up some mats. You do your practice, you do your practice. You're all good. We're like, we're, we're doing it smart, but also we're going to go like how they do that kind of big air thing. And it's like actually controlled, you know, there's insurance for it. So mm -hmm. something happens that, you know, they're being taken care of stuff like that you know i would love those kind of uh opportunities and things so but for us yeah we've done it in a more controlled way obviously because i'm also a fan of that too so like a big thing for for me is i don't want athletes getting hurt i've personally never broke a bone uh personally you know i've been i was a stuntman for 10 years uh wrestler free runner done car hits fire burns high falls concrete falls like jump roof gaps you know tick a box done it mm -hmm. and to me like that's the biggest thing is like I look at it like UFC. I look, I look at it a lot like more like pro wrestling probably too than I think most people think because it is a bit of a, we have a bit more of characters in it than I think UFC has of actually like people from different places that could bring their persona and make it more of a thing. But the idea is it is a little bit more uh, controlled and hopefully story driven, not so much two men in the cage beating each other, you know, that way of battling. Mm. So for me, though, it's that idea of having athletes for a long enough time. So you push them in a smart way that they're not getting. Obviously, they're going to take damage no matter what. That's it's impossible not to. But the idea is creating in like in the safer, smarter spaces um, and things like that. So a lot of our my courses, my designs, our gameplays all go to the idea of execution is worth just as much as difficulty or uh, flow or versatility. It's just. If you can, you know, I almost want to make like one of those rules. Like if you end up going to the hospital, you automatically kind of like lose. And the reason I mean that is like, I would like, like our speed comps. Uh, here's, here's where I think I'm going with that is another way. We added uh, penalties to it. Hmm. So for our speed comps, uh, current gameplays is you start in one spot, you end in another spot. It's very clear. And within that spot, there's a path. If you weave out of the path or go out of bounds, you get uh, penalties as well as here's like the preferred way. If you, you know, use this to get to that, to get to that, to get to that without touching these things, which we make them red. If you touch the red things, you get a penalty. 
by the you know start by the finish line. So the person who wins our speed comps is fewest penalties, fastest time. Mm-hmm. So automatically, if you get through it faster, but have a penalty, you automatically lose to anybody who has zero penalties. And what we've seen by that, number one, is people have kind of gotten rid of that run 100% as fast as I can and just fail forward through the course. Just keep, you know, like, uh, what is it, like a bowling ball, like, a, you know, down the stairs. Like that mm-hmm. kind of technique is we've seen far, far less of that, which we like instead of what it used to be was, Oh, if you touch that, we just add, you know, five seconds. We, Oh, if you touch that, we, we add 10 seconds, but then we have people just run through the course and make all these mistakes and still sometimes we're podium. We're like, you know, and then obviously we want to go to the next level. Like you're talking about, like one day we want to be all like on roofs because I want to take the best people from all these pretty safe, controlled environments and go to these, you know, not so controlled environments, you know, the real, like there is some real risk here and stuff like that. So if you can't show in these uh, regional slash national competitions that you can't do these courses without penalties, that means you wouldn't be able to go do this on rooftops. You wouldn't be able to do this there, you know, where those are the real penalties, you know? Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I think I've seen, yeah, I've seen a very, there's very different um, things over the years I've seen with how to navigate that space and like create interesting, compelling courses, but also not have it be, you know, spectator friendly or whatever. There's like, there's a lot of goes into those competitions. Oh, so yeah, I mean, the, t- the toughest is spectators <laughs> making that friendly. Yeah. Like when we were on the mosque, you know, in Turkey, and they kept saying, I want the crowd to be here. And I'm like, Okay, like why do, or you can move the crowd somewhere else, and this would we could do way cooler stuff because this is where the cool stuff is, you know. Um, Such a beast. There's always that like give and take of yeah the what the viewer, the athlete, and right now where we're at financially, you know, you want as many people to you know, we're in this like pay to play, which is you know where I don't think a lot of people fully grasp. They have their ideas on where we should be compared to like where I, you know, where I feel and we're in this pay to play. And what I mean by that is like, we're putting on, we have like six qualifiers in the next six weeks or something. Those qualifiers uh, wins get to come to the national. The national is also going to have an onsite qualifier. And some people you're kind of mad about that. They're like, well, if I win, why would I go win this qualifier? It's like, well, if you win the qualifier, you automatically get to go to the finals. Mm -hmm. Um, and you get a discount to get there, like a really good discount. And because we give you that discount, we need like 10 people to show up and at least try on the on-site to pay to offset that, you know, mm-hmm. as well as we want them to have a good time. And we want to, we're trying to find this way to push the best. And I wouldn't say the worst. I would just say like the new the less skilled, the more hobby driven, not motivated at the same time in the same space, mm-hmm. because that's the only way profitability wise right now too. It also works that we could pay for it to then also pay to do another one in the future. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of variables when you're designing these competitions as well as these courses. But for me, always the number one thing is safety, because if people break a bone, 
they're probably not coming back. They also could potentially sue. Also, it takes up the, the, the whole competition stops because somebody's injured on the course also. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sponsorships that's... also look at it. Like, look at <laughs> I've been airway. at a competition once or twice where the injury just kind of like kills the vibe real hard. <laughs> as it as it absolutely should as it should you know, obviously yeah i mean but like yeah it's just like oof yeah that's no yeah that's no yeah 100 and that's you know that's what's funny is that's why we're uh the sport was so t- whenever you know growing up and i tell you i do parkour you're like oh, do you want to die and i'm like no like mm-hmm. no not that's a weird question and they're like well then why do you do that i'm like because i i'm drawn to doing it i like doing it i'm good at it and you know they just be like well i just think you know you should just take care of yourself. I'm like, I do. And there would always be this thing, just make sure you know what you're doing. I do. You know, and then eventually came to a certain point (laughs) where I'm like, I've never broke a bone. I've made a living off it. I'm still passionate about it. I've helped thousands upon thousands of people be able to do it and not get hurt. Like it it comes to a certain point, you know, to where you just kind of look back and you, you, you think about it and it's, um, it's, 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 that's the constant battle too, is like, I love store. I love Joe Scandrit. I love Dom Tommaso a lot. I respect mm-hmm. everything they're doing. And obviously it's true because those are the main videos I normally have parents show me and they're like, you're asking kids to do this. I'm like, no, no, I'm not asking any kid to do that. <laughs> like those, you know, that, that's the cream of the crop. That's the top. That's where it should be, you know, where they should be your your kid shouldn't be there yet maybe one day i don't know but we're gonna start here i'm gonna show you things and you know they got to choose that one day and Mm -hmm. wouldn't you rather they had some kind of education in it first like when i did it uh yeah i saw jackie chan jump a roof as a kid in rumble in the bronx i remember watching that trailer on cable oh yeah and i like i'm just sitting there as a kid and i remember my uh uncle at the time looked over to my stepdad at the time and just goes, that guy just flew, <laughs> you know? And I was yeah. like, and I'm just, and I, I remember that moment, how much that impacted me just like, Whoa. And then I remember like watching the movie uh, on VHS many years later. And I'm like, I want to do that. And mm-hmm. I sure enough did. <laughs> and nobody, yeah, I didn't get, you know, any of the training. I didn't, I, there was no talking about that. I was aware of or anything. So wouldn't you at least, let your kid be trained first and like stuck, you know, and then obviously as a coach, it's your responsibility to not say you guys have to go jump a roof someday or something or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, um, that's like the kind of the, the outlook I've always had on it with competition as well Is same with UFC. If, if their fighter gets KO'd, that's probably, you know, four fights less that they're ever going to be able to perform. So you want to help them grow and push them, but you obviously don't want to break them. And that's how I think about the same with, you know, I think about it like with pro wrestling, like we talked about, where Vince McMahon has to have them on the road 52 weeks a year. So it's how do we push it? How do we entertain the audience? How do how do you get what you want as a performer? But keep in mind, like, this is we're professionals. This is a career. This is like, you know, we can't have you break yourself. So our gameplays and criteria is take safety into account also where I know some people not, you know, discredit, whatever Mm. like to push other ways, which you have to, right. There's gotta be that extreme. We do this because the most entertaining things happen. Okay. Um, Do that. You know, if it's, we do this because there's the most injuries, 
then uh, in my opinion, as a federation or a competition director, if there's injuries happening, you should, you should be changing the criteria. That's your job mm. is creating the safest environments for the sport to grow. Nice. Well, I mean, just great stuff, man. I think that like, you know, there's very little else that I have to ask you about. Um, is there anything that you want to, you know, just talk about that we hadn't gotten to yet today? I know you're doing a lot with the World Cup championships coming up still. We've kind of touched on it, but is there, and then the, we, we touched on the Perth um, park that you just found out was alive and well and, and being in used. Is, is there anything else like you want to discuss today? Um. No, I don't. I don't know. No, I think it's good. I mean, yeah, the the stuff's all happening. What USA Parkour underscore officials like the Instagram where all the stuff kind of is showing the qualifiers and um, <clears throat> where that's all happening and kind of laid out. Um, USA Parkour Cup is the details for the finals. We split it this year. We did. Uh, we were doing it for the athletes. This is something else. Um, if you don't mind. Uh, Not at all. We used to do one event every year for it. Um, and it would be in Tampa, Florida for the last three years or four years. And um, we would do speed and freestyle all together, youth to adults. And it was a lot, you know, changing around the courses, uh, talking to, you know, the parents, talking to the athletes, the judges. It was, it was exhausting and a big thing. And we were in a, we were in a pretty good size uh, arena. We decided to take, take it back a notch and we're going to go to Austin, Texas. We're going to be in Intrepid Parkour, which is a gym I designed probably six years ago. It's, it's an amazing facility. I don't know if you ever been out to it or know of it but I, I highly recommend it unfortunately not yet but <clears throat> one day yeah i highly recommend it it's a very cool facility i mean it's produced people like jared Ludi, um um uh, to my, uh, what's, uh, i always forget his real name but twitch is what i know him as helped produce him um parkour taylor uh parker taylor um just a lot of good athletes come out of there uh steezy steve um but then we're gonna do Right now we're doing our qualifier season just for speed. So the gyms, some are doing speed and freestyles is kind of one event for the qualifier, but we're going to do speed. We're going to do a freestyle finals of just, or sorry, we're going to do just the speed finals in February. And then the freestyle season starts from March to May. And we're going to do the freestyle finals in June. So the idea is like where we used to, number one, it's to help the sport have a little more, focus as well as the businesses have hopefully a little bit more focus and things to keep their students motivated and growth Two is um, the athletes themselves. We have a lot of athletes that would go to the qualifier and compete at both. But if they like whichever one they podiumed higher in would be the only one that they would then come do in Tampa because they didn't want to like risk getting tired or injured for the other one. So we were able to kind of try this new structure because once again every year we try to do something new so this is like the idea with this is like speed focus on it hone it in hopefully athletes that normally maybe wouldn't have done speed now do it too and then we flow right into the freestyle kind of season next after that obviously i think in the freestyle one we'll probably add something like we've done we do skill type things or we do we do best tricks which is like one trick at four events and it's like a cumulative score instead of just one thing, one place. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to add some different kind of things to freestyle um, and try to make it like an event, you know, in a, in a season of training with like these focuses. So hopefully people kind of work in and out. Because uh, I know for me growing up, I, I trained with wrestling. And then when the wrestling season end, I would go 
do like I did swimming one year to cross train. I did track and field one year to cross train. I did lacrosse one year to cross train just to stay in shape, you know, kind of around. So I think what we're gonna what we're trying to maybe look at and do is something like that of like <clears throat> giving each discipline a little bit more breathing space, giving it its own kind of time for people to kind of dabble in it, learn from it, grow with it, you know, and stuff like that. So so that's what we're doing with this one. And all that's at usaparkourcup.com or the USA parkour underscore official, uh, Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll make sure I put all that in the description and anyone can just jump right in there. Um, <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah. The description is going to be, yeah, it's going to be hefty one this time around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, man. Sorry. Um, you're, you're good. But yeah, no, dude, I, I appreciate you doing this and, uh, taking the time and I know it wasn't easy. Um, yeah. And, uh, I'm abs- yeah, my pleasure, man. My pleasure and honor to have you on and, um, one last question. This is, I, I don't know if I'm just like not in touch enough to know where this is at, but the George McGowan documentary, any update on when that is coming out or did it already release? And I just, missed Oh, it, it did. Oh, it did. It did. It did. Um, yeah. So this, that's another funny thing. So the guy, Max, what's Max's last name? I don't think I, I don't know if I know Max's last name. I'll have to get it to you. Damn it. Um, I got a computer genius. Um, so that was a funny one. Jimmy the Giant was potentially going to come out and uh, do that documentary. We were doing a, the first certification in the Philippines with the Philippines Sports Obstacle Federation. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Jimmy last minute was like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. Um, I don't know you know, how I'm feeling this. I'm like, okay, no worries. And um, George had this dude max why is it maxim max ward uh okay, yeah. come out last minute like what a g like yeah. literally oh, never yeah, met me just took a call like we're doing like <laughs> yo do you want to come with me to the philippines for 10 days and uh he's like yo let's do it um this is like they just were having getting, getting destroyed with covid and we we're going right into it um so he ended up dropping it on his channel because that was part of the deal. I we'll see. fly Whoa. you out. We'll let you do it. It doesn't pay that great, but you get it for your channel and your views and we'll promote your channel and your views. So nice. we did it like that. And um, it was also pretty loose because we were trying to find the story. The idea obviously was uh, George came out and did the USA Parkour Cup with me and I just vibe with him so much um, that I go, I think I could hang out with you for 14 days in the Philippines if you are down to help me teach these people um, because, you know, I think you're the best athlete in my opinion right now, I'd say he's, I think he's the best. I, if I could be any athlete, I would like to be, I'd like to do what he can do. Um, so I'll put it that way. Um, so it's very, whatever, personable. I go, and you seem to know how to teach very well and you're very professional. Like you, when we were at the cup. He was showing up on time. He's asking, what do I need to do? He was just like above and beyond like a professional, not just a, like a celebrity guest, mm-hmm. which neither are wrong, but I was like, okay, that's cool. And so the goal was he's going to come out, assist in the certification. If he likes it, he could be our master trainer of the UK and he could, you know, run the certification. So there's no real pressure. So it was a feel through process because he had never taken the certification. And um, by the end, we just had such a great time and, Funny enough, when we showed up, he was going through a knee injury that he didn't want to tell me about because he was afraid he wasn't going to like get the job maybe or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm very much like not that kind of person. You know, I said, mm-hmm. just don't do, th- I can do all the moves. 
you just be George, you're cool enough and uh, just teach, just give me your wisdom. And Max captured it really well. Yeah. Oh, um, awesome. Really well, that whole experience. Well, shout out Maximus Ward. We'll give him a plug in the description as well. And have you ever had him check on? That out. No, I have not. I've not had the pleasure of meeting him, and but I have followed some of his uh, work before, and so I'm surprised actually I missed that. But I highly recommend. Yeah, I'll getting him on. You guys would vibe. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a unique snowflake in this parkour community. In my mind of just super positivity, super help you find what you want to do. Um, not just you just come to him. You're just like, I'm thinking of doing this. And he's just like, okay, how can we, yeah. How can we do it? <laughs> you know, very much like every single day we were trying to find the story with Georgia, what we were doing every single day, there was an obstacle. Um, every single day it was like, mm. you know, try to find, you know, find something max. I don't know. I wasn't able to direct him very well. Cause it was like, we were just, you know, you know, in the deep end with it all. So, yeah. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate your time again very much. Everything is in the description. You guys are putting on some amazing events. I'm sure I'll have the pleasure of attending them one of these days. And yeah, thank you again for for just sharing everything, helping um, address any of the questions that you know I had in my head, and then also you know just sharing some of that fun UFC skateboarding etc. Yeah, passion. So yeah, thank you for having me. Anytime, honestly. Yeah, open open to it. Yeah, love it. All right. Awesome. Cheers. Thank you, Brandon. Have a good one. All right. You too, brother. Take care. Adios. Woo! That's right. Let's go. All right. Thank you guys for listening. You know the drill. Appreciate you. If you need to get into that description, which many of you probably should, there's a lot that we covered, go ahead and look and click on the links. There's all of it there. Anything we mentioned and yeah as always just a big thanks again to the guest robbie and to you guys for listening catch you on that next episode take care